What? Hey, wake up, man. What's wrong with you? Oh. Oh, shit, it's you. Hey, you should have been with me last night, man. You won't believe what happened. Oh, hey, man, I was on a UFO. I really was, man. You never tasted this before, man. Hey, try this, man. Try it and blow your head off. Okay, I am number six, and this is TNP Live. And I am here with TNP contributor Lisa Belanger. Now, we are waiting on uh, getting connected, I believe, on AM Wake Up's Rockfin and Rumble channels. Uh, we're getting some technical assistance here in the background, which I appreciate uh, from the AM Wake Up crew. Uh, so bear with us on that if you're looking to uh, get connected with us on those channels. I'm still waiting for something to come through there. It looks like Rockfin is not live yet, um, even though I have what I believe is supposed to be the right things in there um, and nothing on the Rumble side of AM Wake Up either. But we are live on uh, TMP uh, on that Rumble end. So hello, everyone in the TMP uh, Rumble chat. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, big shout out to uh, Harps for getting a hold of me <laughs> uh, to tell me about the uh, power outage issue yet again uh, for this uh, Friday episode of uh, TMP slash AM Wake Up. So uh, Wednesday's show was affected by power outages. Well, looks like it's going to be one hell of a week when it comes to the technical gremlins, Lisa. Um, <laughs> but Lisa, how how are you feeling after uh, hopefully a, uh, a happy and uh, pretty easygoing Thanksgiving? feeling all right yeah you know um uh, i don't know about easy going i mean technically uh the actual turkey day was pretty pretty easy going uh can't complain you know plans had to change uh you know <clears throat> early on because of certain illnesses uh from other parties but and uh in fact my uh brother-in-law had emergency surgery like uh wednesday so you know but all in all though i mean i really i i can't complain at the end of the day on thursday we uh my my wonderful husband pulled it all together made a beautiful turkey and the fixings and uh you know took just uh made it a made it a pretty damn good day overall i like hearing that i like hearing that i also wanted to let you know that uh harp says good day from australia so um yeah 
it's good to have uh, members of the crew here on this Black Friday. And speaking of which, why don't we get to this week's monologue, Lisa? We'll worry about the rest of this technical stuff in a moment. Now it says um, here in the monologue that I wrote a couple minutes ago, I come from the generation of people fighting each other over Cabbage Patch dolls and Tickle Me Elmo's. And this holiday season, I don't sense any hype for any items like that. Maybe that's a good thing because I don't like seeing grandmothers assaulting one another for toys. But did anyone else get excited for Black Friday this year? I mean, throughout a year of skyrocketing prices on everything under the sun, now is the traditional time when retail stores are allowed to make money. I don't know about you, but what the hell does the average American even have left over after a year like this? Other than paying more and working longer to afford the shiny new toys and things we one would usually expect for, from Christmas, we also live in a world where that stuff is usually available at any time we want to order it. Long gone are the hunts for toys and items because a simple internet search can find the item and people can bid on them after even. Who knows where the prices for a Cabbage Patch doll would have gone if eBay was around back then, but what's the top item now? I might be out of the loop here, but I also feel like this season, having been so exploited in the past, was forced on us as soon as Halloween ended almost a month ago. But even with all the decorations being hung in stores seemingly at the stroke of midnight, the day of Halloween, I have yet to catch any advertisement for any product that is even different. No new gadget, no new service, nothing. Have the conglomerates that feed us this stuff finally run out of ideas? I've been watching people in my life air fry everything in existence for the past several years. I guess that's a great item for people who focus on texture when it comes to food, but I didn't pick up on any chatter about any great deals or new models that everyone has to rush out and buy. How many in this audience even crawled out of bed to go to the stores this morning? Gadgets aren't all that come to mind for me when it comes to holiday doorbuster deals. For music nerds like me, this is the software purchasing season. Now, for programs that usually run hundreds of dollars, companies used to give them away starting today. Now the market is so full of options, many don't even need to purchase anything of that nature with the amount of freeware and donationware available. So there's no use anymore to hold out until Christmas if you want to release that new track, in most cases, unless you wanted something super specific like me. I'm a little picky. But certainly not the average producer looking to make the latest pop hit. Now, video games. I could give two shits about since like PS2. Sorry, but I realized I had a problem with obsession and attention a long time ago, and uh, the video games had to go. Long gone of the days of me spending hours on top of hours playing something and freaking out over losing or emotionally investing myself into the mainstream storylines of most video games franchises. Uh, these companies have gone full retard in the past few years and started banning professional players even for supporting the protests in Hong Kong or Taiwan. So they can take their level 33 dragon dong and stick it right in their sedentary, media-addicting, totally inclusive asses. And is there any movie coming out for Christmas worth a shit? I mean, I'll be watching A Christmas Story, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and Scrooged as usual, but 
are there any other blockbusters that I should drag myself to the theater for just to pay over $10 for 10 cents worth of popcorn? Maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> I have most of the things that I need and the ones that I can't afford even on the lowest sale price of the season. So the people in my life seem to be getting along well, even though everything costs so damn much these days. Is that the final stage in this capitalistic system we live in? Was it always meant to be that we were to adopt all these new exciting gadgets and gizmos every Christmas till we were fully incapacitated by our addiction and dependence on them? One could probably say about the same about coffee and coffee makers. Now, try to take that away from a caffeine-addicted individual like myself. <laughs> Good luck. Um, as an optimist, even begrudgingly at times, I look at this Christmas and potentially the end of a terrible era in American culture. From the commercialism and materialism of our dealings with one another to the type of consumption we are responsible for, it's kind of sad to see the hype of the retail holiday season fade, but maybe in a few years we can replace it with something more meaningful. And in the other months of the year, maybe we can figure out how to make profit and get the government and the conglomerates that benefit from its tax system out of the picture. Maybe they can get into the toy business instead. Work on that new Canada car jumping racetrack idea I have in mind. And that's this week's monologue. Drop a six in the chat if you feel me. All right, Lisa, let me uh, refresh here and see if we've made any progress on the, um, the streaming end on, on the other channels. Nope. Uh, all right, well, let's let's just continue on because I don't want to hold up the show uh, for too long today. We got some cool things to do and we can always uh, you know find, find out different ways to uh, get this going and get all the info and um, files over to the guys that ain't wake up if they want to air this and whatever. But um, let's do this. Uh, shout out to everybody that just popped into the Rumble chat. I see another uh, familiar face that just jumped in there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, what's up, NC? Now, let's uh, jump into the first of the big four, Lisa. I got this one from our buddy Ken Silva over at uh, Headline USA. And uh, no doubt, Ken, is, as soon as I even thought of the idea, well, I wonder if Ken wrote something about this. Um, <laughs> he already had something out about it. Dude's a machine. Um, and uh, really uh, got into a great, um, I'd say, like, uh, position on this story early on too because i think like a lot of us that jump to alternative media because we've been sold out and, and feel uh you know just not only violated by the mainstream media over the past several years but then also you know just wanting to destroy that that system um and, and get away from its clutches a lot of us that run to alternative media we've found different hosts that are sort of like the well, like the B or C versions of what you'd get on a Fox News. And those people, I mean, they they can make a pretty good living still, I guess, outside of the mainstream uh, media culture. They can, you know, have their names thrown out there and talked about um, even on programs like this quite often. Um, it sort of gives them a place. And uh, I don't know why they're there, if they're there for the money, if they're there for the fame or if they have good intentions i can't read those things lisa and you know that but when it comes down to stories like this i mean i have a pretty 
pretty hard rule. Um, don't make any type of speculative <laughs> assessments, especially on the immediate, Lisa. Like when you have a story like this about the Canadian border, and I'm going to pull up the article now. Um, when you have a, a story like this, and this is from, again, this is from Headline USA, this is from Ken Silva. Uh, the title reads, Online Chattering Class Jumps to Conclusions About Rainbow Bridge Explosion. Right there, jump into conclusions. I mean, we we try not to do that here at TMP. I mean, we're always going to get roped into some sort of speculative conversation, especially when you're talking about, you know, government fuckery, conspiracy, whatever you want to call this. I mean, it's going to happen. But, you know, we try and do our best to keep that within like a certain realm where we're not. I don't want to sit here and tell people to react a particular way, I guess. Or, um, you know, I'm not trying to really shape people into like a particular mold so they think a certain way. But I, I that doesn't mean that other people don't, Lisa. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what to make of this type of. Is this just like a rookie mistake made by these online influencers like Laura Loomer? Am I giving them too much of a benefit of a doubt, Lisa? <laughs> You know, I try to do that. You know, that's the optimist part of me, I guess. But maybe it's denial too. Maybe it's just the fact that I don't want to believe that other people out there looking to get people roped into some sort of emotional hook where they're sitting at the dinner table going, can you believe these terrorists at the Canadian border, Lisa? You know, know, never, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. Oh, great. Yeah, great line to bring up there. You're, You're right on. I mean, and, and to talk about that too, I mean, the, the way that the crisis could have been utilized here, how many people went to the Thanksgiving dinner table without knowing that there was a correction in the direction of this story like this? I mean, if you're not following you know, the work of someone like a Ken Silva, which you should be, if you're not following a good news organization that you can at least trust, I mean, you're taking that information into conversations, and this is just what we talked about Wednesday when we talked to Tees and other people about his work, like Conspiracy Synergy. Like when you walk into a conversation with quote-unquote normies or, you know, if it's, uh, you know, the, the people in your family that, you know, really don't engage in a lot of this stuff or, you know, a group of friends, and you're sitting around the dinner table with them and, you're, and you are that guy where you bring up, oh, man, can you believe that they found that passport there? And everybody looks at you like, what passport? <laughs> you know, they can't, it's like, but it's such playbook, right? I mean, it's, it's, they, they don't even change it up. I mean, and of just, all the countries, of all the countries, Lisa, it would have to be an Iranian one, right? At least in most cases here, we'll, we'll find out, but as we read through this, but, you know, it had to be one of the axis of evil passports that just magically landed. <laughs> I mean, the fucking likelihood alone. Like, I'm not a statistician, right? I probably should have taken a course or two, though. Because Rinse, doing this shit, wash. the likelihood of this, I'm going to say, is rather low. <laughs> Rinse, wash, repeat. Oh, absolutely. Oh, a, a day over and over and over again, too. Oh, man. Yeah. The, 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 the cycle of it, Lisa, and how routine it is that this happens. Like how many other stories? Like that's the the other thing that one should ask about this. How many other stories happen where information like this comes out and 
people go into the conversation with the wrong info, argue about it at the dinner table. Well, and then you cite the, oh yeah, well this this news organization, I well I listen to this, I listen to Laura Loomer all the time, and she's you know she's right about Trump and she <laughs> about this. And I'm laughing because just imagining a person doing this, not myself doing it. But I'm imagining this person doing that, and then your your appeal to this person's uh, expertise or authority. Then somebody goes and looks them up and then finds out that, yeah, that they were wrong. So then that just buries you in the next conversation. Like it takes away all the credibility that you have in the next convo where you're trying to alert somebody to something that's going on in the world. It makes you look like a fucking idiot. You know, with Laura Luma, though, you know, it, 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 this is her gig, right? I, it, I mean, if you want to put a... Uh, <laughs> If you want to put a description on the on on the job that she's doing, I guess. I mean, I again, we can never tell here, <laughs> and there's a lot of speculation as to why certain um, patriot influencers, as have been described to me in past meetings with people, um, you know, it, it is kind of questionable when you look at their the purpose of all this. And you know, I could say for for sure that there's been times in my life where I've jumped to conclusions where I shouldn't have, and I've tried to approach people with information that was incorrect i've learned that lesson though at least i think so <laughs> i mean uh, these people though like someone that's had i mean laura loomer was making a name for herself way before i ever even started to think about doing a podcast so you'd think that maybe she would have picked up on something like this by now well and look what her beginning gig was though right uh, it may not have been her very beginning but if uh memory serves me correct uh, it's started with like linda sasor right oh yeah yeah names like that i mean uh our friend chris over at uh am wake up and Rancast, uh, he did uh something su this past sunday you said about uh operation pogo i think it is uh where they're putting people like this um like laura loomers and other people into positions where they can influence you know others and i I would I I can't see where that couldn't be plausible at least, right? I mean, but you know, without you know, any further evidence, we don't want to we don't want to start. The cortisol levels, though. Imagine making money to 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 bring up everybody's like blood pressure is you know I don't know. Oh yeah, when it comes to like the emotional outrage of it, you know, the people that are still on the conservative or right leaning side that see things like. Um, uh, any type of terrorism story or a border story, right? This immediately gets people riled up. I'm sure there was plenty of conservative uh, leaning talk shows and, and podcasts that that took advantage uh, of the mis um, misinformation, <laughs> for lack of a better term, in this story um, and got tons and tons of people to look at it as like this was a terrorist attack. Um, and on top of that, you know, that, not only was it a terrorist attack at the border, but Iran was somehow responsible for it. So the next time they see a Lindsey Graham, you know, when when not decked out in full like uh, Scarlett O'Hara um, regalia, <laughs> no, <you know? laughs> it would have been, been more plausible to me if it had been um, instead of the coming from from the U.S. border to Canada. Um, had it been the other way around, coming from Canada to the U.S., that would have been a different, um, you know, play well, on see, it. 
I, I think that's isn't that the direction in which the car was going though? I think it was coming from the Canada towards the US. We'll have to read on to just to verify. But what I heard, Lisa, was um, and then again, this is <laughs> this is what we were just talking about. Um, so I'm saying this tentatively. What I heard is that the car was coming from the Canada side because the people in the car had attended a KISS concert, which I had read recently that a KISS concert was canceled in Canada due to their health. Um, because I, I keep up with like rock and metal news sometimes. Sometimes it disgusts me because of what they've done to that scene. But um, yeah, I think the the people were coming back from a KISS concert. So um oh, I've, okay. I've, I've seen video of the car taking flight. Apparently it missed another car. There's been all kinds of little shit that came out before this was originally reported too. So this just falls right into our conversation. Um, but yeah, I saw the the car take flight because apparently it it missed another car. And then went airborne. Maybe the person driving had some sort of event. Maybe even like it was one of them shots. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A lot of people worried about people passing out at the wheel after getting their shots. And, um, you know, I think you it, to get into Canada, do you have to prove vaccination to get into Canada still? Like if I purchased a couple tickets to a show up in Canada and wanted to drive up there, would they stop me and ask me for my papers, please? I hear it's worse on the, I hear that the problem is people coming into the U.S. having more of a difficult time than regarding the, the uh, COVID thing. You know, I did hear that too. I heard that, you know, America is one of the last holdouts whenever it comes to that shit. So I click on the link to connect us to the live Rockfin and the live Rockfin goes to a blank screen on my end, Lisa. <laughs> I I have no fucking clue what we did to these gremlins to make them want to do this to us. I really don't. Shows how powerful you are. Uh, I I hope so. I hope so. I hope we're really fucking with people. I hope we're really making it hard for them, Lisa. Oh man. All right. Yeah, because I got word that with that the rock fin was live, it like flashes on screen and then disappears. That's even weirder. Like I see a a thumbnail for it. This is crazy. I should I should get this I should get this on uh, on the thing. Here we go. Here, let me do this real quick. Sorry, audience that's listening. We're fucking around with technical gremlin issues here, trying to get all of our streams up and running. And uh, yeah, this is the this is the response that I'm getting. It won't even refresh. And I hate the fact that it's not so clear whether. You know, whether it was in, maybe it's just me because it's, you know, the day after being, you know, Thanksgiving food and everything. So mm -hmm. my brain, you know, but. I'm so processing um, stuff that my body doesn't even know what to do with. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so clear whether it was coming or going. So uh, my bad, that Mandela effect thing, huh? Yeah. So Lisa, here's our, uh, here's our rock fan stream. in the fuck it won't even show like so it says if i go back here if it'll let me no all right so i refresh the page again there it says that it says that we're live it says that we went live six minutes ago even see the thumbnail it looks like it's playing the intro so that looks like it it got the stuff that we were doing but then i click on it that's it. Just goes straight into the void. 
the abyss. You'll have to make a good promo for that. I am definitely, and I, I said I was going to do it before. I'm definitely doing it now. Uh, Tease uh, Snyder, uh, who uh, has amazing tonal memory, was able to whistle the theme for Gremlins uh, to us the other day on Wednesday. Uh, I'm definitely going to take that whistling track and apply that towards some sort of video and get that up and running here. So just this, we need like a montage. We do. We need a montage of the technical Gremlins. The fuckery that we, that we deal with here on a day-to-day basis on AM Wake Up and TMP. Just to show people, like, oh, this is this should be simple. Like, we, it, it, I, I do the production work, folks, and I'm no fucking genius. Like, if I can make this happen, other people can definitely make this happen. And have you seen some of the other creators out there? I mean, <laughs> I'm just talking shit. No, but if, if, like... If we can get this up and running on a weekly basis with no issue, why did this? Why do things like this keep happening? Like I just, I have no fucking idea. I, yeah. Oh well. Okay. So uh, let's let's get back to um, yeah. We'll come back to the other streams in a second to see if we can get those up and running finally. But let me go back to the screen share here and let's jump into this article. Okay. All right. Now this is again, this is online chattering class jumps to conclusions about rainbow bridge explosion. And then it says here, uh, a vehicle exploded at a checkpoint on the American side of a U.S. Canada bridge. Okay. There we go. So maybe I had that wrong. There we are. Uh, so it said it was exploded at the checkpoint on the American side, leaving two people dead and prompting the closing of four border crossings in the area. Uh, it says there was no immediate information about the cause of the explosion, but it sparked speculation on both sides of the border. And after the FBI reportedly deemed the incident as a likely terrorist attack. Thanks, FBI. Wow. I, I guess they really looked at a lot, judging from what I've seen. For they so, made such a declaration. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? So as I'm still going, you know, go re re glancing through the article so okay and it happened on the u.s side right but it also says the vehicle speeding crossing the U u.s side see it's it's, it's, it's confusing to find out what yeah what end like the crash occurred on so i guess it was coming up to where the u.s checkpoint was i guess i'm reading it maybe that way now because if the car was coming from Canada, it would be technically coming to the American side of the checkpoint. Because when you go in from America, you're, you're reaching the Canadian checkpoint. You see what I'm saying? It's like one of those stage rights. Okay, stage right, right. There you go. Words matter. Speeding toward the crossing from mm -hmm. toward the crossing from the U.S. side of the border. So I, I believe to the crossing that crosses into the American side. But yeah, that's, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to look this up, but it you says, know, can these people be a little bit more clear? Cause I mean, really this, it gets, <laughs> you know, uh, it's not, you know, that it's still ambiguity to them. Yeah. I mean, it would be clearer if the person looked like Dudley do right. And was riding a moose. Um, so maybe we should, Anyone crossing the Canada, you know, from Canada in the United States should be dressed as Dudley Do Right and Riding Moose, just so we know what side you're coming from. All right. I'm just going to throw that out there. New rules. But it says uh, Deep State operative Robert Spencer, who runs the group Jihad Watch, uh, dubiously claimed that an Iranian passport was found near the explosion. <laughs> it says this claim, which cited uh, an anonymous Twitter user named, wow, 
Okay, so Jihad Watch and an anonymous Twitter user named Pegida Canada was quickly picked up by conservative pundit Laura Loomer. Oh, so yeah, there's her red alert per Jihad Watch uh, RS. It says an Iranian passport was found next to the car that exploded today at the U.S.-Canada border on Rainbow Bridge. It says no. days you gotta Go look, ahead. you know, that's it's just so phenomenal. You know, that 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 playbook of always being able to find those pieces of information. So just happened to be there. Well, that too. That too. I mean, how how is you know that that super convenient piece of information is just gonna be there? Like no and, and also without any critique or questioning from the person receiving the information like you uncritically like if you're laura loomer now i understand that there's been some uh, recent debates between her and dave smith I, I did not watch those i didn't watch any of the uh republican yeah, I, I, yeah, debates either and i couldn't suffer through it well and the idea of a debate even in these times lisa um i think it's all it, it's it, it should all have been exposed as just like a really stupid way of figuring out anything because there are people that are better at debates and the you know, sort of rule book for debates and i don't even think that even mattered like from what i heard about the coverage of the this one between laura loomer and dave smith that i just mentioned so i mean whenever it came to like the moderator and how debates are usually run it just seems like these Debates are set up just to be a platform for people to get over their ideas. They're, they're not there to solve anything. They well, don't you, to solve get anything. over their ideas. It's it's more like a you know a low shelf WWF or something. I mean, it's like mud wrestling. I don't know. I mean, do you really think we're talking? <laughs> we're going to be discussing real ideas in that forum? Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, it just it it feels like you know you're not gonna you're not gonna get to any of the meat of the matter in a debate. That the two people there are basically there to put themselves over, you know, so they can get the the winner, you know, awarded to them. Sort of the, <laughs> you know, they 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 want to be on the winning side of an argument, but no, not even the winning side of the argument. It's more like who can make the funniest mud slinging comment. I mean, oh it, yeah, it, the soundbite, the soundbite culture that we live in, for sure, uh, pops in there, of course. Um, and then you know what what you get as far as like the, the the points that are then taken, right, and and regurgitated or echoed too by politicians. I mean, the, these these two. I mean, I, I listen to Dave Smith, all right, but I mean, as 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 a libertarian influencer of sorts i mean is just he, having, is, he, is he a comedian he is a comedian you know and a lot of people can come from that that background well, i think and, really don't say get me wrong. Things, and i'm not i mean listen yeah comedians are powerful i mean take a look at who the most brilliant uh actually to me is george Carlin, right oh yeah modern so philosophers it's, yeah so it's, it's not a down comedy. on it's not a down on comedians because comedians no. are the ones who actually get it across get you know the real information across right yeah and but with a person with those types of you know speaking skills communication skills i mean they're they're a very highly sought asset i'm sure uh, if you're trying to manipulate people through media those are the people that you want <laughs> 
So, I mean, if it doesn't matter if it's a Lord Loomer or a Dave Smith or anybody on any side, I mean, these, these debates really, they don't, they, they only, they only present certain ideas in a canned format. The format itself doesn't even follow like a true debate. They're, they're not in any way regulated in any sense, rather self-regulated inside. It seems like the, the people that are put there, you know, just basically because they're a, a, a recognizable name or, you know, supposedly have some sort of authority from some other job that they do and, and like the moderator position. Like I okay. wouldn't you know I what it comes do down to? Things. You know what yeah. it comes down to? This is just plain entertainment. Okay. You know, that's what you know, that that's what I was just gonna say. Cause like I, I don't feel like i I would never volunteer myself. Not that I'd be, you know, afraid to enter into like an intellectual conversation with any of these people. But just like going into it, knowing that it's going to be a debate and somebody has a bunch of canned answers that they have scrawled on like little fucking cue cards, like some other horn fucks that we know of, you know, like I don't like I don't I didn't think that people were coming at that argument sort of with the open mind either. Like it, it, it's you're you're creating almost a fault. I mean, not almost you are creating a false dichotomy right at the beginning of that that conversation it's not a conversation it's not even really a good intellectual argument it's just a game between two points and those points being made by two different speakers on both of those tribalistic sides or whatever they may be they may not be uh, either one of them could be just completely and utterly wrong too like you falling on the side of whoever you think won the debate, whoever's a smarter person or a better speaker or is more well researched, that's great. But neither one of them have to be fucking correct either. But that that falseness too. And and jumping into an argument, like if we have a guest on here to talk about something and all I'm doing is just putting over, you know, one particular idea without citing anything or or giving any evidence or any other, you know, thing that they could show the audience what exactly that we're talking about here. And it gets into that scary territory where it's just, you know, it's just propaganda, Lisa. It's just propaganda at that point. So, yeah, I mean, uh, moving on, though. I mean, it says here, other Twitter users roasted Loomer uh, for sharing apparent disinformation, noting that similar claims were made about a 9-11 hijacker's passport somehow being found in the World Trade Center rumble. Uh, rubble. There we go. Slip of the tongue there, I guess. Uh, strongest materials on earth, it says here. Uh, three diamonds, two graphene, and one passports of alleged terrorist suspects choked comedian Sean McCarthy. So good on you, Sean McCarthy, for coming up with that. Uh, that's cited up in the top of the article, too. And um, the other night, I when I was reading up on the story a little bit, uh, Wednesday night, I, I did quote, I think that uh, if I did a custom shop guitar now, uh, that the neck would have to be made out of Middle Eastern passports because there's there's nothing more indestructible than them. You know, that guitar could be in a plane crash and uh, you wouldn't have to reset the relief. But it said everywhere else, uh, or it says elsewhere, another account named Mats Nilsson claimed that it was a Yemeni passport um, found outside the burning car too. And it says, you know, according to, this is from Mats Nilsson on X, it says according to FBI sources, a Yemeni passport was found outside the burning car. Thank God it was all intact and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, it also says Biden is ordering the U.S. fleet to retaliate straight away before anyone questions the FBI find. So getting people into that mode, too, like we're, you know, we're in a war footing all of a sudden, like sparking a World War Three. 
Um, and I, I'll go back up to this from Loomer because she uh, does cite that days ago Joe Biden sent ten billion more dollars to Iran after sending a six billion on nine eleven. And and then it goes on to say that Iran funded and trained the Hamas, and then just oh. So I mean, now is she wrong that Biden sent that money? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, it's, so I mean, the most dangerous ones, Lisa, aren't they? The ones that that they feed you, where there's a big element of truth to it, but then they get you on that one little detail to to push you into making the making the jump of just being like, yeah, let's go to war. This is this is an act of war. I I've seen enough. <laughs> I've seen and heard enough. It's time for immediate and swift action. And you, you know what I find interesting? Not that you know there's any particular rhyme or reason for it, but it's interesting that it happened at the quote Rainbow Bridge. Hmm. Yeah. So the blast happened on the U.S. side, which connects the two countries, and three other bridges in Ontario were quickly closed too. So, and it says the Buffalo Niagara International Airport began security checks on all cars and told passengers to expect additional screening. So, everyone had to live through the your papers, please, uh, even more. They papers pleased you even harder. Um, and you know what's interesting? So, I noticed that uh, it says um, the uh, Associate Press relies on a law, law enforcement official. Okay. It says the official was not authorized to discuss details of the investigation publicly and spoke on the condition of anonymity. Okay, so yeah. really, um, yeah, of course. My source, my sources said, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. So, it's a law official. Wasn't, I mean, that's just, I don't know. Well. And it says uh, photos and video were taken by bystanders and posted on social media showed thick smoke and flames on the pavement and a security booth that had been singed by flames. So it says videos showed that the fire was in a U.S. Customs and Border Protection area just east of the main vehicle checkpoint. And it says uh, speaking to WGRZ TV, Mike Gunther said he saw a vehicle speeding towards the crossing from the U.S. side of the border when it swerved to avoid another car. There we go. So maybe I was wrong. It wasn't coming from Canada. It was coming from the U.S. When it swerved to avoid another car, crashed into a fence and exploded. And all of a sudden, he went up in the air. And, th and this is a quote. And then it was like a ball of fire 30 or 40 feet high. That's that's a big explosion. I don't, I don't know if it was. That, that might be embellished a little bit. I'm just saying. Um Gunther told the station, I never saw anything like it, he says. Well, I mean, that I can agree with. You don't see that shit every day, probably. But it says, oh, U.S. Attorney General, um, or I'm sorry. You, US you know Attorney what's interesting? General. Yeah. Does he just happen to be there to see it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, I'm sure, I mean, it, it's, it sounds like this is a busy checkpoint, at least. So there probably should have been a few heads around. But um, it says U.S. Attorney General, Attorney Ger General Merrick Garland. Ooh, that's a mouthful. And New York Governor Kathy Hochul, oh, they're there to save the day, of course, had been briefed on the situation. So we're, we're all safe now. Um, the Niagara Falls Bridge Commission reported that all four of its crossings, the others are Lewiston, Whirlpool, and Peace Bridge, were closed as well. 
and about 6,000 vehicles cross the Rainbow Bridge each day. So that's, yeah, it's a good amount. According to the U.S. Federal Highway Administration's National National Bridge Inventory, it says about 5% is truck traffic, according to that federal data, too. Now, um, and it says here, too, the bridge constructed in 1941 is just over uh, 1,400 feet and has a main span constructed of steel, according to the data. So constructed in 41. Wow. So infrastructure, Lisa. <laughs> I mean, is this going to be is this going to be more infrastructure spending? I mean, are people going to see, oh man, this, these these bridges and these things, these connection points between us and Canada. I mean, this is this is old now, so we're going to have to do some more. Well, we're going to have to do some upgrades on the infrastructure there. And while we're at it, why don't we put in that fancy new digital ID that we've been thinking of? You know, you make this, you know, we don't have to construct so much of this stuff and use all of these materials, Lisa, that are getting more and more expensive um, as we go along here. Um, if we had just put in little scanners to scan everyone's eyeballs or whatever as they come through the, the checkpoints. And if you, if you could just get enough people to adopt that um, and, and make it the norm, then we can you can implement it as much as you want to there, right? So, I mean, this this... I mean, if if not taking us to war, I can definitely see this story leading towards the other war, which is on us. That's been going on for quite a long time. Uh, and we, we report on that a lot here, Lisa, right? Well, I mean, the timing with, <clears throat> excuse me, the Israel-Gaza thing. So seems to be very uh, good timing, right? <laughs> and we do have some confirmation from the Rumble chat over on TMP that... Um, uh, apparently, the people were members of the Kiss Army there, not Hamas. <laughs> so. so apparently, other people do see us streaming on Rockfin. Um, maybe it's just my system that won't allow it now. Let me let me open up another browser window and see if that does the trick. Maybe Brave was fucking me too. All kinds of all kinds of gremlins on all sides today, Lisa. On all sides. Nope, still not coming up. So, I mean, I guess we are live over there on Rockfin, but yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, let's go on to the next of the big four then. Um, so I pulled this one up because, I mean, we have done interviews with uh, not only Victoria in the past, but you and I, Lisa, we've 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 talked to Victoria about her cases and things that she's going through. We've we've kept up with our friend Victoria White um, since we did that interview with her well over a year ago now. And um, you know, for me, I mean, to see this Lisa, to see her receive this this deal, I'm mixed on it. Okay, <laughs> I'm mixed on it. And and for me, I mean, just because I know that you you probably have a lot more to say about how this was conducted but you know for me I mean, here's my thing with it it says here this is from gateway pun it says outrageous j6 defendant victoria white who was punched by police in the face over 30 times with fists and sticks yeah a, a, a nightstick i believe or something like that um fights back tears in court after she is sentenced to 10 days in prison now Victoria, I've, I've seen the videos of Victoria being beaten. 
the fact that she has to serve time for this. Uh, that's 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 a slight just in itself. But I think that the 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 one takeaway that I have from this story, Lisa, just before we even read into it, is is that Victoria having been the victim of the system here, the system that brought her to the Capitol that day, even of wanting to be a part of some sort of opposition to what was going on in the election in 2020, that even wanting to put herself physically in a place to protest regarding our elections, quote unquote, <laughs> um, that that in itself, that abuse of people taking advantage of their goodwill and their good nature, the people that believe in the system, the, the people that want to do something about it if it's being abused or misused, to change the course of history. I mean, if the 2020 election didn't go the way that it did, we'd be in a completely different, I mean, maybe not better, right? I mean, it could always be argued that, you know, Trump gets in and everything's fucking worse even. I can see that especially now, <laughs> but, you know, with her going there to even protest, that in itself was an act of abuse. You, you gave people false hope. You gave people false hope that they could go and outlets, maybe even like the gateway Pundicus, weren't they involved in stop the steel, but you gave people false hope that they could go there and do something about something that was never meant to be solved. And in fact, weaponized in order to hurt that movement even more. And as we sit here at the end of 2023, going into yet another J6 anniversary, the people that were involved that day are happy, I'm sure, to get sentences like this so they can just be done with the system. That they'll even take it on the chin, a light punishment, just to not have to fuck with these monsters anymore. I hope that for her sake and everybody else's there on J6, Lisa, that Victoria learned that lesson. Not from the court, not from not from what she went through as far as like the the persecution and, and just all of the drama and bullshit that happened in her life from this. But I hope that she learned a lesson that the system, the system will lie to you. It will drag you into its clutches. It will abuse you. And then it will ask you for a thank you before you, you receive even more punishment. Am I on to something here, Lisa? Yeah, um, I'll tell you what, this is a very, very tough um, article for me to be discussing because, you know, I, I have been, you know, uh, trying to uh, help advocate for the injustice that has happened to Victoria um, and no judgment, you know, for me in terms of the fact that she decided to plead guilty. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I totally get it. He, here's the hard part, okay. Um, I'm having trouble swallowing the, um, the statement of being thankful to the judge for his mercifulness. Okay. I, um, this is hard for me because, um, oh, 
merciful for what? Well, I mean, I wish I had the uh, actual transcripts of what was said in that courtroom as far as the sentencing. I mean, here um, she's got a federal, a federal charge, a conviction, a federal conviction for what? For exactly what? And um, but to say, and at the end of it, to say, I understand being grateful, so to speak, that you know, at the end of the day, yeah, it ended up okay. So doing weekends in jail, so forth, and compared to what you know, many of the other um, defendants have had to endure, I understand being thankful that. that it being um, not, you know, that she doesn't have to go through what all the others have to go through, but not, but not thankful to the judge for that. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to, hard for me to uh, wrap my head around the fact. Well, I mean, you think if somebody would have came to Victoria right at the beginning of all this, because I mean, Lisa, you and I, you know, especially yourself too. I mean, with your involvement and a lot of the the J six stories since we started hanging out and doing these podcasts. I mean, I if they would have came to Victoria right up front and said that this was this was the solution for her, you know, say hey. You know, instead of going through all this for the next year or so, because we watched her battle over and over again, go through different defense lawyers, you know, have different deals and everything presented to her, I believe. They just want to came at her with this right up front. I, I, we probably wouldn't have had any of those experiences with her. I mean, but think you know? about what did she actually do? Did, I mean, did this this is insanity. Yeah. And, 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 now, and now the government gets to you know, gloat and whatever and say, look, she, she, um, you know, they're trying to say she committed a federal offense, a federal offense of what, what did she actually do? It's all, of, I mean, so from what we see in the media, it's just a bunch of blanket sweeping statements. There's no real factual information ever because we know that she, she didn't do anything. She did nothing wrong. Yeah. And, and having someone accept that when they did nothing wrong, to have them accept you know, their punishment for having done no wrong, especially when a system itself was probably committing a wrong. <laughs> you know, if I've said this before on, in past streams that, you know, how in the hell did anyone, that was there on J six, um, get any charges for, um, disrupting a official procedure that wasn't, that, that shouldn't have been official. <laughs> you know, if, if things had been done properly in that election in 2020, maybe none of those official proceedings would have been taking place. <laughs> So if you disrupt an official proceeding that shouldn't be official or taking place because in, in itself is an act of treason, then how are you found guilty and not the other people on the opposite end? 
And there's an answer to that, Lisa. It's a self-answering fucking question. But because you, you those know what the worst part the is? Decide. Those, are the, those are the deciders. The people that fucked us on the 2020 election are the ones that got to make that decision. But here's what the worst part is. Is, is that from the article, it, it ends up being like, oh, the guy, the, the judge, what a great guy. He was merciful. Yep. Merciful. People are bringing up correctly. Merciful faith in the, in the rumble chat. Thank you. Was that really merciful? Yeah. Yeah, what's what's supposed to be considered merciful there? But. Like so, the guy, so the so the judge actually comes out looking like smelling like a rose, really. Yep, I guess so. Now this is from Jordan Conradson over at Gateway Pundit, um, who definitely gets a little little editorialist here in his article. They don't really mark that kind of stuff on Gateway Pundit. Beware. But it says um, here, yes, uh, J January 6th, defendant Victoria White was sentenced on Monday, Monday to 10 days of incarceration and three months of house arrest after she was nearly killed by a Capitol Police, by Capitol Police, sorry, and pled guilty to civil disorder charges for, yeah, civil disorder. <laughs> I have a fucking civil disorder now, Lisa. There should be a lawsuit for, 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 the, for, the, for the beating of her. You'd think that maybe someone that even has watched attorneys like on, on TV would, would tell her like, yo, you might have a suit here and, and by, but by pleading guilty, Lisa, by taking this deal, would that torpedo any future suits? Bingo, bingo, bingo. So, I mean, the, the government, and covering its own ass for its terrible mistreatment of this poor woman. And I mean that. I mean, I've, I've watched the videos. They, the government's mistreatment of this poor woman. Um, there will be no even jackpot justice penalty. Of Who knows where that money even comes from, right? But, I mean, even if she did sue the government now, they'll probably be able to cite her guilty plea as a reason for the fact that it doesn't have standing. That's, that's exactly what they'll do. I mean, it, technically it shouldn't because, you know, um, if you go from an uh, aspect of looking at that, let's hypothetically say, which she was not wrong, but let's just say hypothetically pretend someone is doing wrongdoing. Um, excessive conduct, it should not... Um, take away the fact that when there's excessive excessive wrongful conduct by the government right yeah it's like if she robbed a store lisa like if she you know stole a you know a a a, a, a case of pampers from fucking target right and the police show up and they beat the living shit out of her it's not that she didn't do wrong by taking the pampers right but if the police show up and beat the living fuck out of her like they did here then this police should be held liable. I don't think there's anybody on any side of the coin that would say otherwise, right? I mean, they, they should have to pay a penalty for overdoing it. Like you don't, you don't nightstick nightstick somebody in, in the top of the head the way that she was, you know, had done to her over and over again by an officer large enough where I've seen videos of him choke slam throwing people, like picking them up by their neck and throwing them into a crowd in Black Lives Matter. Uh, protests quote unquote if, if you want to talk about that too i mean the, 
this wasn't I, I didn't just pick victoria because you know i'm falling on her side of this i mean the the same officer that assaulted her assaulted other people on the other side of the political spectrum months before this even happened you know what this case stands for this is a warning to people for mere mere presence no doubt right so no. you it's saying you know just the fact of your being being there you're gonna you're gonna pay the price well and it says here too the price was is that during the approximately one hour long sentencing hearing white was also ordered to pay two thousand dollars to the architect of the capitol in restitution okay all right yeah i mean talk, oh my god talk about adding insult to injury right like, i mean did she, did she pay for the fucking bottle of bleach they had to use to wipe up her blood like was it two grand for the bottle of bleach because it was in the capital? Like I know they have the markup on stuff, just like at a hotel. You know, you want the candy bar out of the fucking cooler. They're gonna, you know, as soon as the sensor picks it up as soon as you pick the shit up, folks. So, but like, or you go to a hospital, right? <laughs> and, and they give you an aspirin and they charge you a grand for the aspirin. Like fucking two thousand dollars to the architect of the capital. Who? Who? who with a, how, what calculation? I mean, the fact that she even has to pay one freaking red cent is a bond roll. Give me a break. Is, is there a bank account for the architect of the Capitol? And who the fuck? How would that even be relevant? <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. I'm holding my head. I'm just holding my head. Oh, and a special assessment fee of a hundred bucks. It's it's where they get you on the fees, all right? I buy I buy a good amount of concert tickets. They really fuck you on the fees nowadays, Lisa. Um, so for them to jab you with another hundred bucks on top of that, oh. this is telling people you better damn well not protest. I mean, I I think that's what it really was was meant to be. I mean, they they propped up the officer that both assaulted a Black Lives Matter uh, protester and a January six protester. So. I mean, it, it goes for everybody, uh, no matter what side of the coin that you fall on. I mean, the government can just show up, beat the shit out of you um, for nothing, and also on top of that, charge you for it. So, and make you pay. And actually make you pay. I mean. Oh, well, and the, just... the money? The money's nothing. I, I would have paid two grand, you know, to to get the fuck out of that situation no problem oh uh, yeah. but the real payment is in the suffering over the years right. of fucking torment and getting and beat people. the crap out of i oh, mean yeah. she was literally tortured i mean th those videos uh, i i mean i i talk about and, trauma and folks if you go back i'll i'll drop that uh link for the interview we did with victoria in this week's source list too so go over to number six tmp on substack for that um that'll be in everyone's that signs up for the the free email service there it's it, again we're value for value just as you know, the rest of am wake up here at tmp so uh no no paywalls or anything like that to our work but if you want to sign up for free on number six tmp on substack please do so You'll get a copy of each week's monologue now in video, which is cool. It makes things more fun and easier to share, I think. But then on top of that, um, you'll get uh, each week's source list too. But um, that source list, I'll have not only this article, but then that interview if you want to go back and watch it. And I, I bring that up because 
it, it was clear to me and I'm, I'm no medical professional or expert or something like that, but it was clear to me, Lisa, that Victoria certainly has some PTSD from this incident. And I don't think that her brain will or maybe even should ever recover from that incident. Like you talk about paying the ultimate price is that, you know, some people get hurt. Some people died there that day, but there are worse things than death sometimes too, Lisa, isn't there? Just having to live through the, the experience of being in that tunnel surrounded by men in black suits with shields and batons and helmets and face shields grabbing you and beating you senseless until you're bloody. You don't know where the fuck you are. You're missing your phone, your coat, your shoes. And then you're dragged into a hallway and arrested in the Capitol afterwards. And then they arrest, they, they charge you for being in the Capitol after they dragged you into it, after you're somewhat and, and then, lifeless, unconscious. Worst of all is being prevented and uh, from being able to have a have a actual forum where you can let the truth be known. Okay, that that's the worst part is that the truth is hidden again. Again. And we just talked about. I mean, one of the the biggest truths, you know, hidden from the public ever in the you know, the Kennedy assassination the other day. It doesn't have to be a historical figure. It doesn't have to be the president of the United States. I mean, these, the powers that be, and we'll talk about that more as we talk about the guardianship and conservative, uh, conservatorship cases that we will hear in the last hour, uh, Lisa. But I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be anyone important for the government to fuck up your entire life, do they? Happens day in and day out, and and that, that's the worst part of it. No I mean, doubt. it's prevalent. Okay, yeah. day in, day out, people getting eaten up, spit out, chewed up by the system, and uh, no one seems to notice. All right. Or care so, for that matter. Well, and then uh, let's 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 pull this one up too. I mean, when it talks. <laughs> Talk about people, rich, poor, um, famous or not, and how average people can be affected. I mean, every day in the system here in America, people's kids are taken from them and put into the Prussian model of education that I hated so fucking much. <laughs> um, this this is an article where you know a lot of people should probably get uh, pissed about this one. Um, Oh, good. We have a news news update here as we go to the Fox News for this article because this was the original source from the Daily Mail article that I, I got. So went back to this one for it, but it says here, breaking news as I pull this up, hostages enter Egypt with Red Cross and there's a release underway. Okay, um, I'll, I'll accept. Oh, boy. More, more international turmoil. That's what everybody needed. Uh, but yeah, let's 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 talk about this though. This is um, Georgia middle school staff failed to prevent girls brutal stabbing in gym class. It says according to a lawsuit, and the lawsuit alleges school resource officers, uh, or, or, or I'm sorry, alleges school resource officer notified administrators of knife threat, but they did nothing. Wow, it says last spring, and this is in total glaucoma. That up a little bit. There we go. You can see it for 
here now. Yeah, there we go. It says last spring, a Georgia middle school student stabbed another student 14 times in the school's gymnasium. And it says now the victim's mother, Ashley Wilson of Henry County, southeast of Atlanta, is suing administrators at Ola Middle School in McDonough, arguing they that they did not take action against the suspect, despite knowing that the then eighth grader, fucking eighth grade, Lisa, this person did something to somebody like this in eighth grade. That's such a disgusting thing to think about. Someone that young victimizing someone like this. What kind of fucking monster? How do you create something like that? Is it our sick-ass culture? Is it the, the fact that we live in a video game and nothing has consequences? Is it is it the fact that we have everything? Like I don't know if you've read those stories about people that are just like super rich, so they have no morality. I mean, are we all becoming that in a way? That I didn't. I was wondering about. I didn't notice in the article. Um, possibly, um, I wonder if uh, any psychotic drugs were involved in, in this. Oh um, well. I don't think they're ever allowed to even tell the public that because of the great deals, the backroom, you know, smoke filled <laughs> rooms that these deals occur in between uh, big pharma and the government, which is also part of big government, sort of, because all the people that leave big government or leave big pharma go to work for big government. It's like one of those snake eating its own ass things. But um, it, it goes on to say here in quotes, the attack resulted in 14 stab wounds and lacerations across Ashley's daughter's body everything from her face to her neck to her back and to her breasts and she is to this day still recovering both physically and emotionally and this is what we talked about before with victoria is that you know i don't i don't even if they give them this judgment lisa and we've talked about this in some of our past conversations because you have plenty of experience in the the, the civil realm right um that even in that civil realm, when that judgment is rewarded to people, that doesn't that doesn't solve this problem. Okay, you never you never recover. The, the these victims can never be made whole ever. No no amount of money. Period. Now it says um, her attorney Adam Princethal is founding member of Princethal Prince. Enthal May and Wilson law firm in uh, Sandy Springs, Georgia, told that to Fox News Digital, and it says that Wilson's daughter has scars everywhere, including a scar on her face that is the primary concern of the young lady because it remains noticeable to this day. Uh, there's a blurred out image of the young lady there. Um, now it says the lawsuit alleges that school administrators did nothing after being notified by a school resource officer or SRO. You know, superficial there on March 14th that the female suspect had a knife in her possession on school grounds and had made threats against the victim's friend. So it says, despite receiving the SRO's report, administrators did not investigate the student nor take action as required under school policies, according to the complaint. 
Now, on March 15th, the juvenile suspect reportedly attacked Wilson's daughter in the Ola Middle School gym, despite the fact that she was not the focus of the suspect's threats made against other students the prior day. So just wrong place, wrong person, wrong time. But it said the suspect approached the victim as she was walking to gym class and began to harass her. The victim apparently tried to walk away, so she tried to retreat, which is, you know, they, they say that that's your duty, right, when you're, you're attacked these days, that you have a duty to retreat. So it says that the person did try to walk away and asked the suspect to leave her alone several times, according to the lawsuit. Now, teachers who witnessed the harassment did not defuse the situation, says the complaint uh, states, and then also the teachers who witnessed the bullying failed to keep the victim safe while on school property. And when the victim entered the gym, the suspect followed and began stabbing her. Now, so like what appears to me, not even one teacher or staff member jumped in. Well, yeah. And and, and you have to think these days, right? I mean, uh, I know people that have been in education, you know, close to me personally. And really the, the fear there is, is that, you do something that's outside the guidebook with one of the students, you grab them by the arm as they go to maybe attack somebody. And then the next thing you know that you lost your career because you physically assaulted that student by touching their arm, even though they were on their way to stab somebody. I mean, I, I, I'm not endorsing, <laughs> but I sort of get it. If you're, if you're the type of person where you're barely making it as a teacher, which they, you know, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times they're fucking you on the money. You know, you're, you're there right at the poverty line or you're there like barely above it, scraping by. And you got a choice between you and your life and your lifestyle, your family and your ability to afford, you know, afford living and existing in this world or some other kids well-being. What do you think is going to win out with most people? It's it. That's really one of the horrible and evil things about public education in general. That they steal your fucking money, they steal your kids from you, and they make they force you into this lifestyle with the way that we work and operate in this world. And thanks to uh, Rockefeller and other evil Satanist motherfuckers, um, there's no, you know, women in the household raise half the kids. So I mean, you have you have kids that are raised by this system. Lo and behold, they're acting exactly as the system would want people to act. <laughs> you know, just just this malleable ignorant potentially violent mob that they can just let loose on the people if necessary i mean this is everything about our culture that i fucking hate it's it's you know the the, the conformist principles and the indoctrination and the propaganda of today's you know school children is outrageous to me but then you lock them and you, you isolate them. You force them into these situations with other people that are potentially fucking animals also created by this system. And who suffers, Lisa? It's the innocent that suffer. That's what fucking gets me. That's what gets me riled up is that when it's the innocent blood that's spilled. Like, call me Ghost Rider on that one. Holy shit. Now... The other thing about this is it says, of course, the administrators knew the knife was on campus and did nothing. And then the knife was brought back on the 15th. Yes. So this this was an ongoing incident that could have been prevented of all the red flag laws and all the other things that the government wants to come out with. Here's their fucking schools, folks. Here's their schools protecting your kids. 
that there could be multiple instances of a knife being, you know, rather brandished or used to threaten people. And the school's just like, nah, I don't want to do the paperwork. So, oh, and there's our good friend, Tom. Yeah, Tom, I'm about to bring you in, buddy. There you are. Cool. Morning. Tom Cooper. Good morning, man. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, you and the fam. Hope you're recovering well today. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, everyone's having such a good time. The old, the, the old lady told them they all had to get out. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all can't stay here. Y'all can get yeah, out. Right. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, what yeah, is your favorite? your guys' holiday? Uh, great, man. I was I was just about to ask you, uh, you and Lisa, actually, I'll switch back to the panel for this. Uh, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to mute and I'm going to take a uh, slight bathroom break and come back because it's been a day so far with the technical gremlins. I didn't get to have my good old uh, session before we got started, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so um, let me turn it over to you all as I mute. And I'll just have you guys fill in like a minute or two uh, with what your favorite Thanksgiving dish is. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, man. Favorite. I'll tell you what, my husband outdid himself this Thanksgiving, and especially on short notice, because we were supposed to go to the the uh, in-laws, but unfortunately some illnesses came up and last minute uh, changes, so we uh, stayed back with the immediate fam. But uh, who, uh, 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 how does, uh, you know, do you start with dessert or what? <laughs> the problem with that though is by the time you get dessert you're too full <laughs> at least for me um my favorite dish i would have to think uh, i would have my wife makes twice baked potatoes so uh that's probably one of my favorites yeah, oh, you know, like, I, I, it's hard to just pick one, though. I mean, it's kind of like it, it, it's going to be symbiotic because it's, you know, my husband made this great stuffing and he actually made it uh, healthy with Ezekiel bread. OK, oh. so I know. Really? Can you imagine making things healthy? Taste taste good. Good. But, you know, it's like <laughs> so you can't just have like one thing because he brined this turkey. And uh, so, you know, you have to, when you, when you combine it with, you know, that, that uh, it was so moist, what he did with that turkey. And then you combine it, you know, with the, the stuffing and then the cranberry. It's like, right. it's symbiotic. So, uh, you know, for me, it, it can't just be one. So, you know, then you get right. the candy, uh, the, the, uh, the, I love the sweet potatoes, right? Oh, yeah. Those are supposed to be really healthy for you in general. Just, uh, I think that's the most healthy vegetable, right? Am I? Well, uh, well, sweet potatoes there, I'm telling you, they're, they're high up there on the superfood. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, and, and then and you I got don't the like main... those. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? Did you say you don't like sweet, po How do you... sweet potatoes? Like I'm a weirdo. Sorry. <laughs> they do have a weird consistency i'm back but yeah uh, thank and thank you guys for filling in uh a little bit there for me because uh boy i was starting to tear up a little bit if you know what i mean 
It's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. I could probably make it till one, but uh, I'm neither going to be happy, and I'm going to have uh, more laundry to do. So, but uh, yeah, <laughs> well, you'd be warm well, for a minute. You know, you yeah, should yeah. be like one of those race car drivers. You know what you got to wear in, in the uh, pit. Oh bag. yeah. Oh, <laughs> what, what were we listening to? Uh, was it uh, was it the conversation on Saturday Night Anarchy last week, Tom? Where we were talking about catheters. Somebody was talking about catheters somewhere. Oh, I was listening to something where somebody was talking about it. We, we talked about a lot of random shit on that show, and I love it. Uh, you got, you're doing an awesome job on Saturday Night Anarchy there, Thank Tom. You, it's, it's a fun time, and uh, I think we'll be doing another episode this Saturday, too. We might have a few friends on with you. To yeah, talk about we got them. Randy from Soundwave Promotions coming on. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, we all fucking... Uh, if, if people aren't familiar with Randy, he does the awesome intro for uh, uh, AM Wake Up. And and there's there's all kinds of other stuff that he uh, helps out with on, on X. He's always sharing our stuff up and things like that. He's good at help helping to promote the shows around here and other places. So yeah, shout out to Randy. It'll be cool to have him on. Well, he's been posting quite a bit of his personal stuff on 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 uh-huh. Twitter. I'm not going to call it X, but anyway, hey. um, <laughs> Twatter, like our friend. Yeah, Twatter. Calls it. yeah Twatter works for me. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's been putting some pretty good stuff out lately and I was, and I noticed it. So I was like, well, let's try to get him on the show. And he was all for it. So. Yeah, man. No, I mean, that's, that's the great thing about that format too. It's just that, you know, you could have anybody on week to week, you know, and it could be a completely different type of conversation, but the group of people uh, that we've had on and everything like that um, has been fantastic. So um, it's absolutely yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it can go, that's beautiful thing about Saturday Night Anarchy, folks. Show up for it um, at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, um, every Saturday. Um, never know who you're going to bump into there. Might even get some people from AM Wake Up over on that uh, pretty soon here, too. Uh, I know that, you know, Shelly and people like that are, have been great guests uh, that you've talked to in the past, and Steve, so... Maybe even get uh, Chris over there too, because Chris is doing uh, the Rancast. Yeah, now dude, I'm trying to get him on too, man, because he's mm-hmm. he's just been he's been killing it, dude. Yeah, the stuff he's been putting out right now is priceless, brother. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm glad that he got that fired up for Free World too. Like, the oh, dude, if he has power, is going to be doing a, a show for Free World too. So, yeah, the rant he went on the other day was classic, dude. That's oh, yeah. that's how I've been feeling for the past fucking two years. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Exactly I mean, as he said, like that was that. great radio. I mean, it was something I think a lot of people are going to connect with. And it's just simply because like, you know, that there, there has to be an outlet for that type of frustration, especially for people that follow these types of stories. I mean, we, we there's no doubt that the outrage cycles in media themselves are very powerful and, and how we deal with them and what, how we organize and what we do with that information afterwards is very important. But I mean, it is, and I asked on Wednesday too about this when we talked to Tease and everybody about believing in that catharsis, about believing in getting it out sort of like through these channels and things and about that being a healthy thing. I, I do think that there is some credence to that. Like having having Chris like sort of yell for us at times. I mean, I feel that in music too all the time, brother. And you know, that's just, it's not me doing the screams. It's somebody else, you know, doing the screaming for me, but I feel it. Well, I feel like he's at, he's at the point like I am. I'm ready to shut everything down and just protest, do whatever we got to do. But here's yeah. the problem is everybody's got an ego. And uh, 
one, until people get their egos and their little weird things, you know, they don't like gays, they don't like trans, whatever. None of that shit even matters, dude, because they're coming after all of us. You know, it doesn't matter the color of your skin or your sexual preferences or your religious beliefs or whatever. It's getting to the point where they don't even care about any of that anymore. Everybody's fighting with each other. You know what I mean? They got us right where they want us, but they're slipping too. So if we just get our heads out of our asses, and come together and try to make some stuff happen, well, we could do it. But, you know, there's too many hangups with, with folks out there. You just got to let that shit go, man. We're all human beings. They're coming after all of us. We're all going to have to suffer. And if we don't fucking get our heads out of our asses, we're going to be suffering. And then it's going to get real bad. People going to start fucking dying and shit like that, dude. I don't want to go. I don't want to see none of that happen. Um, so at some point, the American people have to get and Canadians, Mexicans, whatever, because they're coming after all of us. And when people start to realize that, then maybe some stuff will change. I don't know. But I, I, I still have hope. I think we can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got to quit fighting with each other, man. And it's and it's obvious that it's going on. We just got to let this shit go, man. Just got to let it go. Well, and I have word from the chat is uh, Shelly's in the chat. She says, uh, send her a link and she'll hop in tomorrow night's conversation too. See? Perfect. That's awesome. I yeah. will do that. Awesome. Thank you, Shelly. Shelly. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, and that right there. I mean, just being able to bring people together. Um, that's what, to that's what I want the show to be about. Any chat, if you have something to bitch about, let's get it out there. I want to hear it. Maybe yeah. we can work something out and, you know, come together. Let's let's get this out in the open. Especially people coming from different perspectives and identities. Because, like, what you brought up there is, it's like we all have this perception that we're all living, like, a different life. That because you're you're this, you're a woman, you're black, you're, you you got something going on in your life that makes you different from other people. That somehow that that puts you in a certain category where you have to act as if you have to represent certain things. Even you have like this burden placed upon you where you have to uh, follow certain even unspoken and continuously changing rules, you know, 1984 style in order to even be able to participate in the conversation. So fuck those rules. We don't need them. Right. (laughs) No, we don't. We don't need those rulers telling us what to do. Um, and, and if we all get together and, and, and AM wake up has shown this, they've demonstrated it already with the third eye carnival and they're asking people to replicate it. And Tom, you're even working on that right now too. uh, get, getting something in the works, maybe for, uh, some type of Oregon or Portland meetup. Right. And, yes, and, and just doing things like that is the start. It's, it's the starting point at least, you know, to get people, uh, you know, not only together, but then also to get people connected with each other on a on that physical level because i think that one thing for me tom and and you know we do a lot of talking on the internet both of us now and that we we do a lot of you know things where we experience um relationships and friendships over the internet but in person when you recognize somebody's humanity whenever you're standing next to a breathing living human being with a heartbeat like it's it's a different it's a different thing. Like you don't have yeah, the same absolutely. capacity to say things to that person or do things that would harm that person in real life because you get to see them. And I think there's a there's a lot to be said about that and why that that's been 
uh, sort of used against us the past several years because we did talk about a J6 story today. We talked about, you know, how terrorism is used to scare people into not even wanting to go places. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of people the other day when they saw like, a <laughs> terrorist attack at the Canadian border, then it's just like, okay, well, I'm not going anywhere anymore. You know, can't go there. Can't talk to Canadian people. They're all terrorists or, you know, get we, we anyone with an Iranian background. Now they're a suspect in my, you know, my brain or something. Six, I don't like leaving the house in general because I feel yeah. like every, every time I leave the house, something could happen. You know what I mean? And it's uh, true. It is true, man. You know, it's like when the, the, um, Corona was going on, the little store we have down the street got robbed at gunpoint like three times, dude. You know what I mean? Like that hadn't ever happened before. We have guns. Sh uh, it's been a while, but we have gun shootings all the time on in our neighborhood. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's getting it's getting sketchy out there. You know what I mean? And like I, I would like to get with my neighbors, but I don't trust none of them. Yeah, you, you know? have to be able to trust them. I mean, it's not yeah, you have to be able to trust people yeah. if you if you want to like commune. You know what I mean? If you want to do something. Um, so we, yeah, it's culture it's, teaches people not to trust one another or how not to even be trustable, you know, because if you're in that paranoid state of just like, we're living in a terror threat all the time, yes, sir. you're not going to be able to be trusting with other people, but you may do things based on that too. Like just, uh, that, you know, that, that you decide not to engage, you decide to take a certain political position or vote for a particular party because you're too scared to engage with people anymore. So we have to overcome that too. Like there, yeah. there are people and, you know, we've, we've all found out in life, I think, um, that there are people that you shouldn't fuck with. You know, you just shouldn't, <laughs> this you is know, true. just let them to their own devices, you know, yeah, yeah. but you're, you're not going to find out until you find out, unfortunately. Like it's just it, it if you're gonna learn how to do something, anything, like you you learned how to become a, a plumber. I'm, I'm sure that you fucked up a couple of times before you figured out how to do something right whenever it came oh, to yeah. learning that skill. I mean, I've fallen oh, over I myself still do it every, of times all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's a process. And and so Absolutely. is dealing with people. Like yeah. people sometimes will burn you, they will fuck you over. Other times people will be even more glorious than you even imagined them to be. You know, like I, I think uh, AM Wake Up's a perfect example of that. My relationships with people doing this and, and doing your show on Saturday nights, man, is just that, you know, I found the right people for that. And But if I didn't take the chance on the people that I met and the people that, you know, I've worked with thus far, I would have never been able to accomplish those things. So you, you got to yeah. give it the chance. You, you have to let yourself overcome a little bit of the fear and uncertainty to be able to be successful in something. So. But um, now let's uh, move on to the last of the big four and because I think we're, we're capable of wrapping it up before we're joined by our guests. And then Lisa should be back on in a second. She had to step away to take care of some, some uh, something. So um, let me pull up this last one, though, Tom, and we'll talk about this real quick because you brought up identity and what you were talking about before. And that's beautiful because that ties in a lot. Uh, to this story um cool. originally when i yeah originally when i read about this like uh, going through the first half of it i'm like all on this guy's side <laughs> and then whoo, and we'll get to it folks um i get to certain parts of the description of this gentleman here that we're going to talk about and i'm like ooh, this is why the system sucks this is why it never goes anywhere good uh but let's let's read on and find out so this is from the Wall Street Journal. 
via archive.today because I refuse to pay Wall Street Journal for their articles. So if you folks want to get around that little hurdle, what you can do is you can download still an extension to your browser if you have a Chrome-based browser like Brave or something. And you can download a little extension that allows you to just click that extension and archive those articles. And now if they're archived without the little pop-up that comes up that says you must subscribe and things like that, you can have access to the full articles after that and give other people access to them. So archive shit, people. Um, it's, it's a great thing. I mean, any, uh, Tease mentioned in the other day, his, all of his links that he has for conspiracy synergy, all those, uh, different links that Chris, uh, from Rancast looked up about COVID, um, for the past couple years, links are disappearing. Um, they're going, they're, they're being scrubbed. They're being deleted by the news organizations and the organizations that, that, that posted them. So make sure to archive more stuff, guys. I mean, it, we, we need it, especially important uh, you know, historical <laughs> types of things because they can just change that on us and change it in the textbooks that your children and grandchildren read. And if you have an archive article that can disprove those things or show how the story was originally told before they changed it, um, that could be so invaluable to someone's understanding. And also future researchers uh, look to them a lot for how we're able to, you know, to tackle the things uh, and the problems that we're going to be dealing with going forward. But here it is. It says uh, from the Wall Street Journal via archive.today, like I said, a descendant of freed slaves, a financier, a financier uh, pursues a family's 900 million oil claim. That's, that's good Lord. That's a lot of money. But it says uh, Neeland Youngblood alleges his family was deprived of the riches from oil-soaked land and is suing ConocoPhillips. Now, I have no problem with giant conglomerate fucking companies getting their asses sued, Lisa. I mean, especially if they fuck people over out of money. No problem with that at all. What I do have a problem with, maybe, is where some of that money would potentially go if this suit goes the way that it might. Uh, so it says here, at Neelan Youngblood's graduation from Princeton, his grandmother told him that he was once sought to visit the campus in the 1920s uh, or grandfather i'm sorry i'm sorry told him that he was once sought to visit the campus in the 1920s but was stopped at the school's gates because he was black now that is a believable and plausible story but after it says after amassing a fortune youngblood donated to build a new plaza at his alma mater and had his grandfather's name chiseled into the steps now that is a flex <laughs> I mean, Tom, somebody fucks with your family and then you buy their shit and, and put your family name in, in, in like in stone in it. <laughs> that's pretty fucking hard. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a pretty way that's, to say somebody to fuck you, you know? <laughs> well, that's how they that's how we do it, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like the I like the the vibe so far that, that this has, you know, with uh, as far as that kind of justice goes, because I, I do think that that's an important thing to note in history. I mean, if we did fuck with people and treat them as second class citizens, them getting theirs back. I mean, you got to have a little bit of tit for tat here and there, especially if it's bloodless. But young blood, it says the co-founder of a private equity firm. Here's where it gets dicey. Uh, Pharos Capital Group now says he is writing another family wrong uh, that he says was perpetrated by one of the country's largest oil companies. Says he and his family are suing ConocoPhillips, uh, whose stock is apparently up, accusing it of depriving them of the riches from oil-soaked land in South Texas, bought by his ancestors, 
who were freed slaves. Now, they're seeking more than $900 million, but it says the lawsuit may be a long shot, according to several lawyers in the energy sector, because Youngblood, a fixture in corporate boardrooms, and here it goes, and democratic political circles, uh, says he is undeterred. The Dallas-based investor said a verdict against ConocoPhillips would rank as high as any deal he has closed. Uh, I'm sure those are pretty impressive. And with a nearly $1 billion upside. In quotes, it says, if the if it goes to a verdict, I think we can get a lot more, he says. But at the heart of the dispute, it says in the article, is a tract in the Eagle Ford Shale, one of the most productive oil regions in the nation. ConocoPhillips, Youngblood, and his family allege uh, ignored his family's claims to the property and sided with another family, the Korths, to streamline royalty payments and drill as quickly as possible. Now, it says the roots of the legal battle reach back to the years following the Civil War, which was an evil and unjust war, as most are. Um, Youngblood's ancestors, the Eckfords, acquired land after they were freed from slavery. Now, in the decades after they died, the claim to the rightful ownership became muddied. Now, this is where I, I would probably have some questions you know, on the legal end of things because of that. But it says, in taking up the fight for the Eckford side, Youngblood has become the champion of an extended family he didn't realize he had. So you get this guy that has, let's just say, a tendency to get back at the people that maybe have fucked with him and his family members in the past. And he's got a lot of money to do it, Tom. So, uh, But it says here, while oil booms have been transformative for the bank accounts of countless landowners across Texas, few black people have benefited. Now, it says in part because the they were widely dispossessed of property in the Jim Crow era, which begs the question of, why these things were put into place like jim crow laws right if it if it wasn't people automatically get hooked on the emotional idea that it's just the motivation of evil or racism or whatever it is people overlook the fact that it's money that it's finance it's ownership ownership of land the ability to gain uh wealth in the country and to, and to have social mobility that's why they put laws into place. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the racist one. I'm talking about all laws. <laughs> I no, mean, they're I, there to keep people in check, right? And not in the way well, you think. That's when the black people were doing the best, when they had the Jim Crow going on. They well, had their the own banks. Yeah. They, they were doing their own, their own business with each other. You know what I mean? And then the white people saw that they were doing good, and we can't have that. Oh, can't black Wall black Street. people. Yeah. Yeah, they had Black Wall Street and all that shit. Yeah. They, they had they had booming uh economic growth, you know, in, in a black community that was separate and that was destroyed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then so they want to tell everybody in school that Jim Crow was bad and it kept the black people down and we had to free the slaves when they were doing just fine. They were doing well, just fine. Or at least doing better than than they are now. That well, I mean, look, dude, when, problem, right? yeah, that when they, you're banking and doing worst. business with your own your own people, mm -hmm. you're going to prosper because the black people aren't going to go shop at a white person's store. Why would they do that? You know what I mean? And that just makes that just makes sense. You know, if they put if they if they brought back Jim Crow and let the black people do their own thing, you would see them prosper. You know what I mean? 
Well, because the and wealth then, that they accrued, right, is just going yeah. back into the company store if they're just buying from a white, you know, uh, store owner in many cases there, right? Yeah. Like you have to imagine, folks, and we're not saying that, oh, yeah, bring back separation and Jim Crow. But in that in that era, because you had people that were descendants of freed slaves and other things that are participating in an economy, when they had the ability to participate um, in an economy that they got to devise of their own and not somebody else's fucking rigged system that they were able to prosper. That's what we're talking about. And 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 having that ability to prosper, regardless if it was under the guise of supporting your own people or I- identity, ideology, doesn't matter what the fuck that is, that if you give people the freedom of association and you give them the freedom to, to build their own capitalistic system, that it'll probably be successful. Because <laughs> it's not that hard to just, you know, do right by people, right? Just give them, give them good deals. If you're in banking, give them good deals. If you're making shit, whatever it is like, uh, and, and, and the level of trust there too, to be able to come from um, a community that had been uh, oppressed for so long. I mean, even if you weren't in the same places and your family didn't come from all the same areas, I'm sure that there, there was, especially back then a camaraderie, you know, and, and, and a universal understanding of just like what you do to people and what you don't do to people, too, that it came from that. I mean, there is good that comes from the evil in the world, and it's because people learn how to be better. And if you give them the opportunity to do their own thing, then yes, of course, then there needs to be a, a civil rights era that comes in through the media, the mockingbird media. <laughs> then then you do get certain civil rights leaders that could have been pogoed into place. <laughs> You know, it gets it gets really questionable at, at certain extents of just okay. So why did um, LBJ, somebody that talked about um, the N words voting for us now, uh, famously, you know, that, that's that's how you get somebody like an LBJ into power. You know, after after you whack JFK, of course, that, that brought the black vote over from the Republican Party because well, Richard Nixon's campaign didn't necessarily have their shit together on that one, but. Um, that, that's how you get an LBJ doing a great society program. And that for me is one thing that sparked off just decades after decades of pushback uh, from the opposite political spectrum, from the conservative side. Like you had that false dichotomy, that battle between conservatism that was supposed to be fighting back against the great society programs like welfare and other things like that. I'm sure, Tom, you remember all the debates back in the 90s, all the welfare moms and stuff like that, that radio hosts were bringing up and, and harping on, especially around the times of general elections. And, oh, what are we going to do about these big spending programs? And we have all these people out of work and on welfare and all these people on the take. Why don't we make them, why don't we force them into drug um, tests before that they're employed to get their benefits? And take or, the father out of the, out of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. All the, all the big government solutions from the conservative side. Well, that they all made things worse too. In fact, they the only thing that they can come up with is taking shit away from the dependence that the government created and just maybe siphoning that money into other projects that they can make more money off of, I guess. But they're not they're not spending less money on the conservative end of things these days anywhere. Um, and in fact, most of the conservative ideas that are being proposed nowadays are just more big government ideas, just under a different branding. It's they're not getting rid of public education, they're just making it different they're not getting rid of um welfare they're just making it different they just advance the same type of agenda but just from a slightly different angle to get people don't they i mean isn't well, this the conservatism the conser- conservatism <laughs> our friend harlan talks about <laughs> yeah um 
you know, dude, all the all these things that they talk about are just uh, made to piss everybody off, piss the conservatives off, you know, piss the Democrats off. Um, I don't I, I personally don't have a problem with helping out people. Um, we keep sending money over to, to Ukraine and to Israel, but we don't do anything for our people here. You know, I'm not saying that they should have uh, free everything. You know, there's always solutions to these things. Like we could start a, a, a jobs program for these mothers that, uh, you know, single mothers help them get a job because once they get on their feet, you know, they're going to, they're going to feel good about themselves as a better person and they're going to do the right thing. So I feel like, you know, that's a, there's a little solution right there for your welfare. You know what I mean? And that's like not even that big of a, it doesn't cost that much for us to, to help people out. You know what I mean? But everybody wants to bitch about that. So whatever. And uh, Cynthia, I will, I see you there in the uh, background. I am going to bring you on to the stream in just one moment. I'm just going to finish up this last of the big four and then we'll bring you on there. Okay. But um, yeah, so folks uh, listening, we're about to uh, start up a new segment here on TNP Live. And I want to try and do this um, at least once a month if I can, is to bring people on to talk about these guardianship and conservatorship cases for at least an, an hour out of all the hours that we put in. Because my good friend, Lisa Belanger, who's uh, stuck by me through you know every, everything that's gone on since we started doing interviews together over a year ago now, um, and we've become good friends. And uh, oh, Jody, I, I see you in the background there. I will bring you on along with Cynthia in just one moment. Thank you. Thank you for being here. But um, as I was saying, though, that uh, my good friend Lisa Blanger had suffered through instances like this herself in her life and fought um, against the Massachusetts um, board uh, whenever it comes to um, law and um, had her law license stripped from her because of that fight. So this is this is our way of sort of, you know, getting back at that system, uh, allowing people a, a platform uncensored where they can tell their stories. And um, hopefully that drags a lot more of these stories out into the light where people can see them. So just like we were talking about, Tom, before with this story, you know, with the information getting out about certain things and how family and money works, um, that we can sort of correct those problems. And that even goes down towards like what you were talking about, where that money goes, like how they steal this money from us and from our taxes. And instead of giving it to good people that need help in our own country that they ship it across to Ukraine and other places like that, and Israel to make war and, and profit off of it. Um, something that we would never have done in our name and never have elected to have done. Well, these guardianship cases are very much like that too. These are, these are cases where I would never ask for this to be done in my name, especially once you read into the details. Um, but um, before we get to that folks, uh, this just real quickly, uh, allow me to get to one last point I wanted to bring up here um, about young blood here. And this is one thing that sort of got my head, um, well, got my head scratching <laughs> going on and everything like that. Um, young blood um, is uh, tied uh, into the intelligence. Uh, it says here, besides running his firm, this uh, young blood is the person that's uh, behind the lawsuit here. And everybody, in case you guys are just popping in. Uh, but it says, besides running his firm, he sits on President Biden's Intelligence Advisory Board. <laughs> so this is a guy that's suing Conical Phillips um, for $900 million 
and he's on President Biden's intelligence advisory board. And he's uh, one of these uh, financiers. Gee, that sounds a little shady. Now, he says he plans. A little? To yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this is the dark money. This is the dark money where it comes to. You wonder why our society and our government and people in it are so corrupt. I mean, and even in instances where there could be landmark or precedent setting cases involving black families freed from slavery, that your representative, the person going into the courtroom representing you and your identity and that you hope is going to get that jackpot justice because maybe that'll maybe dwindle down to something that you eventually get, you know, instead of, you know, a, a, a cokehead midget over in Ukraine being uh, gifted uh, millions of dollars, maybe, maybe a couple of those dollars will trickle down into your pocket. Well, the person that's uh, in the 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 lead position there, <laughs> the the person that's the the it has all the position of power and influence to make that thing happen, at least on the uh, the plaintiff end here, is um, well part of Biden's intelligence advisory board, and he also travels the world for billionaire investor Michael Milken's namesake institute. I haven't even looked into them to see what all the different effery fuckery that they're up to right uh, a, a think tank focus on public health and economic research let me read that again michael milken's namesake institute which is a think tank focused on public health geez he's involved in biden's intelligence advisory board and also his other little side pieces are public health and economic research gross gross <laughs> so now, it does say, though, that Youngblood became the first African-American to gain full membership at the 127-year-old Dallas Country Club in 2014. So he's, he's really taking it back. <laughs> he's getting them. He's getting them, Tom. Oh, man. So let's stop sharing there. Um, what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to wait for uh, Lisa to reconnect here, but I'm going to bring our guests on now. Um, let me do a little intro video to this segment that I've come up with just to give people the kind of you know, since we're switching vibes here and everything, I think this kind of seals it for us as to what we're going for in this segment. So, uh, yeah, if you get easily disturbed, you might want to go grab a cup of coffee. You might need it after all this shit. Uh, so let, let's go with the intro, Tom, and then we'll bring our guests on. I'm not here. Okay, now let me uh, bring on our friends uh, Cynthia Mifsud and Jody White. Welcome, Jody. We haven't spoke before, but I, I was told by Lisa that um, 
Cynthia did want uh, somebody here involved in the case too, a uh, good friend, and you're always welcome to come on here and help out. So uh, explain this story. And um, Cynthia, thank you very much for being here on Black Friday, you know, on a day after Thanksgiving where, like I commented on the monologue, maybe folks should be running around punching each other over Cabbage Patch dolls. But um, instead, we're here talking about this kind of dark topic because and it's a really dark folks because all of us have loved ones all of us have family and people that are important to us and crucial or instrumental in our lives my grandparents were enormously influential on my life um if it weren't for my my memos and my pap um i wouldn't be half the person that i am today so just sitting around yesterday with family and noticing who's there and who isn't there Cynthia, tell us about how this story started for you. I believe it was uh, a trip to a PNC bank that sort of set a lot of this off from what I've read. But And even that itself, that that was even allowed to occur is, is part of my French, but fucking mind-blowing that that's allowed to happen. Um, and we do curse on this show here, so feel free to let them fly if you want. <laughs> but I, I might have to drop some just to, you know, it's catharsis. But uh you know, tell, tell us how this began, sort of, and introduce yourself to the, the audience here as you go. Um, I'm Cynthia Mifsud, and I run um, a blog for my mom called Justice for Betty Hayes. Um, you can follow along with our nightmare there. Um, so I, I had both my parents living with me because they both had dementia. And my father was leaving the house, and we knew it was going to be, you know, any time that something really bad was going to happen. It, already bad things had happened, but it was getting worse. So we knew we needed to either put them in a nursing home or someone needed to move in or someone needed to uh, bring them somewhere safe with them. Well, we didn't want to put them in a nursing home because they did not want to go to a nursing home. And my grandma was in a nursing home and it was just, uh, I just have horrible memories of that. And I would never want to do that to my parents. So I was in a position, my house was big enough that I could take a portion of my house and turn it into a little apartment for them where they would have their own space. You know, they'd have my, we had a little kitchenette for my mom. She had a walk-in bathtub, a bedroom, a little sitting area, and it was right off my kitchen. Um, so super convenient. If anyone needed anything, it's not like you have to call anybody. I'm here, you know? So you know how much that would set you back in an Airbnb these days, folks. Right, right. <laughs> to have that, right. have that set up, you know what I'm saying? So uh, all my siblings agreed we would use what, what, uh, the money from the parents' trust to create this space. All right, so now I have this space in my home and no grandmother. My mother's not living here now. My father passed away. And all the expense to change it back or to put my home, you know, back like it was, all going to lie on me. So, um, but anyway, that's beside the point. Um, I would still love to have my mom back in her apartment. But anyway, um, so my dad passed away and then his sister was really ill. She has dementia and she was getting a lot worse. So I went to Alabama with my son and we went to see her for what would be the last time. She ended up passing away two months after that. And while I was gone, my niece, took my mother and refused to return her. And my mom was here at my home in her little apartment with my sister-in-law. And my sister-in-law had just had surgery, so she had a neck brace on. Um, 
she was in a good shape to sit with my mom, but obviously she wasn't in any shape to battle my niece about not taking my mom. Oh, and Lisa's been there and I've had spinal surgery. So I know what that deal could be like. You just feel so powerless. You feel so defenseless. Exactly. So and we weren't there and she tried calling us and we were in this, um, at my aunt's who lives in this, you know, small area of Alabama that there's no phone service that, you know, our, our cell phones weren't working. So she had to track us down through the families and get the landline to finally get a hold of us. But anyway, um, she ended up calling the police and the police came out and took a report, but that's where it ended. They didn't do nothing. So then I called Adult Protective Services who, you know, told me, go out to the house, you know, and show your durable power of attorney and call the police and have them do a civil escort to the home. So that's what I, you know, me and my brother and my husband went out there and that's what we were going to do. Well, the police came and they, they went in, they saw my mom, they said she was okay. And that um, they had another power of attorney and it overrode mine. Mine was from 2013 when my parents were of sound mind. So how does this new one, since the dementia diagnosis, override mine? Oh, well, there's nothing we can do. That's a civil matter. Can't do anything. And I was just blown away. Like, are you kidding me? This is a granddaughter. How do you allow a granddaughter to take my mom and create a new power of attorney? And so I told my brother, we need to get to the bank before she gets to the bank and clears out her account. So we rush over to the nearest PNC bank. And while I'm sitting there in the office with the manager, lo and behold, my niece comes through with my mom in the drive-thru, presenting them with a new power of attorney and a revocation of my power of attorney. And the bank manager told me, you know, that she had notarized it herself because she's a notary. She's also a paralegal. So she knows, you know, the law and how the system works. And um, he told me she's not allowed to notarize her own document. Your mom's not allowed to sign it with dementia. And um, this is all, this is fraud. And he told her she wasn't getting anything, but he took the documents and he sent them up to his fraud department. Well, the fraud department looked at it all, closed my mom's account, did not call the FDIC, did not call the police, just sent me the check for my mom's trust. After all the years, my parents, my father had banked with this bank, you know, since he worked way back when he was working, you know, so that's how they left him high and dry, just gave me the check and washed their hands of the situation. And by then I had already filed for guardianship because when I called the um, attorney who had set my mom and dad's estate plan up, he told me, well, you need to file for guardianship. Had I known the hell I was entering, I would have never filed for guardianship. I was just about to ask for clarification if that's what tipped all of this off, because oh, yeah. that's what Lisa has educated me about. It's like as soon as you, it's like a vampire, because people yeah. talked about vampirism in the uh, in the chat a little bit earlier as we were talking about the the bloodlust our government has for its own people. Mm. But um, in that's in that sense, though, if you ask the government to come in your home, you just invited Dracula in. Like that, you just broke those vampire rules. <laughs> and the crazy thing rules, is, they wouldn't come in my home. So they wouldn't come to my home where my mom had lived for two years. They only went to where my niece was and talked to a mother, my mother, who had had dementia since 2016, and this is 21 when it happened, and talking to her where she's living with a niece, my niece, her granddaughter, and then my sister's weaseling her way over there, you know, trying to get in all of it. And um, 
they're telling her, oh, Cindy stole your money. Oh, Cindy's bad. And, you know, manipulating this person. And my mom, you know, she's helpless. What is she going to do? And I don't blame her at all because, you know, she she was held there without me. So she had no way to for us to talk to her. We weren't even allowed to talk to her because right away she got restraining orders against me, my brother, my husband, and she tried to get one against my brother's wife. So, and she got him in a city or a county that that's all you do is file the paperwork and give them your money and you get it. So you didn't have to say, oh, she tried to, you know, hurt me. She came to my house and beat me up. In her report for the thing, it said, I came to her house with the police. I mean, what is wrong with that? Right? Well, I mean, that's well, what I was directed to do. Go to her house with the police. Um, and that's what I did. And what people don't understand is that the protective services are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're the very cog in the wheel that makes this the racket. Yeah, these aren't anomalies, Lisa, right? Like these are these are common stories that all lead to the same ends whenever it comes to these guardianship and conservatorship cases that, you know, once enacted, like once the motion is set in place, that the government sort of just has a playbook that it runs through. It, it's, it, it, it's, it's, their it's MO. an AI program almost, right? This it's a, it's, yeah. it's just as mindless and just as moralless and heartless as an AI program, in my opinion. Yeah feels nothing for you so um, to, to uh make a long story short she was isolated from me both my brothers all of our children our you know grandchildren um she missed two weddings um three births and um completely isolated from us we weren't even allowed to call even though they they said there was an order for us to call my niece would sit on the phone and tell my mom we were lying and then hang up on us and eventually just not even take our calls. And um, 14 months, $200,000 in legal fees that I've, you know, occurred, incurred all this time trying to fight for my mom. And um, Jody here, uh, her shirt, stand up, Jody, and show your shirt. Mm -hmm. Stop trafficking the elderly, our elderly and disabled. That's um, a blue shirt group that Jody um, was part of that she basically started back in, I think, 2018, a little bit, 2019, mm -hmm. 2019. And so when you're in this nightmare and you're drowning and you don't know what to do, you start looking online for people to help you. And that's how I found Jody. And um, Jody sat in on my cases and would you know, try to guide me and help me all along the way. She helped so many people in Michigan. So she's heard so many of these stories that thankfully she hasn't become immune to them, but um, it's just unbelievable. The stuff that, and it's the same playbook each time, always the same. You know, every case is the same exact, different people obviously, but it's the same playbook that you're, they're following. Well, Jody, could you take a moment to maybe introduce yourself to the audience and how you got started in all this? But then also, if you could, like if somebody asked you that, like if somebody listened to a podcast like this and they had the question that would probably pop into my brain and probably Tom and Lisa's too, is describe that playbook. Like what what would you what what is the warning sign that you would give everyone in the audience for this, you know, BS starting? So. Well, first and foremost, you have to pray because God never intended 
for our families to end up the way our families have ended up. Um, I did meet Cindy through um, my advocacy work, but my husband first was in probate back in 2012. And he has um, a business with his five brothers and his dad passed away. And I don't want to go off onto that story because it's the same playbook. But um, when I was hanging out with my husband for like five years, raising the kids, and I was wondering like why my husband was just so irritated because I wasn't really a part of what was going on. So it was like late 2017 and we were in Florida and I said, Jeff, what is going on? And I ended up pulling all his transcripts and reading what he had been through for the last five years. And I'm a real estate professional. I've been in real estate for 40 years and I, I was reading the transcript going, this is absurd. Who, who's acting like this? To me, I thought it was a morality and integrity and ethical issues because I've been with the White family for 30 years, and these attorneys were able to basically, um, and I, have, I, I can read this term right here, they, um, mani acts of manipulation and constitutes an act of tampering with evidence because they had no evidence. They brought in their own um, false pretenses, hearsay, non nonsensical information and proceeded to um hire my husband's estate it, it's off it's it's um about 100 1.8 million dollars um it's more now but back when i was doing the research it was over you know almost two million dollars but my father-in-law had died and then the court the judge says that my husband's not an heir and i married the middle kid i have a bunch of father's day um footage to show that we hung out with grandpa white and um, I don't know if you guys can see this, but um, this was in September of 2018. And this sheriffs ended up pursuing to harm me. They followed me out of the courtroom. And let me go here. Then they did that damage to my arm. They basically um, came up from behind in front of my husband, knocked me down to the ground, uh, put me into jail because they said that I was a threat to the court because I was asking too many questions, filing too many complaints um uh emailing all my legislators going to county commissioners meetings for nine months before i got arrested and um i ended up i'm now a felon by the way thank you very much my good name has been destroyed so when i went to jail for 33 days and i got out um as a felon and i did my three years of probation which was 1920 and 21 um i oh and i was not allowed to go back to the oakland county courthouse so that's when I started hanging out in the Wayne County Courthouse because I'm a felon now. I'm allowed to do this stuff because I guess I'm a bully. And I started to bully back. And so that's when um, these two ladies, it was Tina and Regina, um, they had an attorney produce these shirts. They asked for some of us Oakland County people to come out to Wayne County. So a bunch of us Oakland County players had, had gone out and helped uh, an older woman get out of a guardianship so that was a, a little bit of a success story she got media coverage so that helped her but um since then you know uh i i get calls from people like cynthia going can you please help me and so i'm getting better at um catching the playbook and the bottom line is it's it's um we're not in acting in an equity court where we're taking care of ourselves as individuals we are not um you know, their little uh, what it, pawns that they can make money off of us. And what I've noticed is there's definitely a lack of investigation. And um, the first comment you had made, 
you said, well, I've read your paperwork and I've seen this. I, I almost fall off my seat because we don't hear that in Michigan. Nobody reads our stuff. And when I say nobody, I'm talking the attorney general, their um, elder abuse task force, the legislators, the judges, the GALs. They don't want to actually investigate and read anything. Can I it's just no say yeah, it's more than just it's more than just a lack of investigation. No, we're talking about actual deliberate cover up. Well, just so that you know, one thing though, we got to remember one thing because I, I didn't, I know you're a, an attorney. I did not know that, but um, we didn't know. We trusted our system. You would hear the attorney jokes and the judge court jokes, but you know, Cindy and I were both, you know, um, middle aged women with families. We trusted our cops, our police, our judges, everybody. We thought there was nothing wrong with calling nine one one and, or, or in her case, calling the state police, saying, "Hey, can you go check on my mom?" And then when they found out that there was a fraudulent document, we all assumed. Did we not, Cindy? We assumed that we would not, you know, so we woke up. So, Lisa, we're a lot different now. I'm just trying to go back to 1820. Well, it well, was here's the um, thing. As an attorney, I had the same uh, illusion that in the court of law that when fraud with, you know, you have uh, irrefutable evidence and documentation of fraud that, uh, yeah, justice would happen and, uh I mean, and that was coming from being a lawyer. Well, and I think what they're mad about me is I'm not a lawyer and they're, they're trying to shut me up. And that's been the most struggle because as a real estate agent, we have to know real estate law and probate was always for us to sell a home for someone that has been deceased. So we would, you know, collect all the information. We do a market analysis. We would make sure that we had the purchase agreement. We would go and beg to the judge. Hey judge, I'm a realtor. I have done all my homework. Please allow me to sell the property. That's not what they did to my husband. These attorneys today in probate court, they basically said, hey, judge, can you exemplify the will so that we can lose, you know, we can sell the condo in Florida for my husband? And we, to this day, do not know where the proceeds of that money is. And so this is, this is shocking me. And so when we go and Cindy and I and a group of us are going to legislative committee meetings, we are uh, this close to the attorney general and the, the elder abuse task force. They know we're not going anywhere. Um, are they working with us? I don't know um, if I can believe and trust them, but I have to still, like I said earlier with God, I have to have hope that um, the amount of us talking and complaining and standing up, we are going to get a win, but it not, might not be Jeff White's family or Cindy's family, but we wanted to stop for future families. And Cindy, I'm sure being in it since 21, we now have a new guy, his name is Ted since 2022. And both Ted and Cindy, they never should have been in this mess after what Jeff and my husband and our group exposed back in 2018. It should have been nipped in the bud in 2018. Now, they, the Attorney General here in Michigan did this uh, year-long 2019 uh, listening tour, which I went to all of them except for the 33 days that I was in jail. And she was hearing the horrific stories. And I'm a videographer, so I'm videotaping everything, making videos, throwing it out there. They don't like that about me because- Does the public have access to that, Jody? Oh yeah, That's it's different. on. Um, yes, it's uh, it's yeah, it's all over between Cindy and I. I think we are like the Michigan big mouths, you know. If because you could send me a good are... link to that, because what I do is I put that on our source list, so that way the audience can have access to links like that if they want to okay, follow awesome. up and do, do their um, own. Do you want me to? I can I can send you it. To, I'm actually it's called Michigan Probate Services. I'm trying to put all of them 
on the same um on, on the same uh youtube uh, but yeah. it was originally just jody white and i go back to 2018 because um sad to say one of the very first phone calls i made and th this is where it, where you don't know what's going on so my husband's got his name is tom frazier he's this attorney and and i go to the little computer system and i type in his name and i see all these other people that have them so i you know and you can't take copies or pictures of anything so you, you know you write notes i left the courthouse and i called this woman her name was victoria i said hey victoria you don't know me she says jody i never pick up the phone but i you know the lord told her to pick it up so we start talking within three days. I'm at her farm or tree farm videotaping a 30 minute segment on what happened to her. And she had a tree farm and my husband had a commercial building. Uh, it's called the winery. And so I'm going, whoa, it's like the same thing going on. Tom Frazier is controlling, you know, Conrad dies and he becomes Conrad. John White dies and he becomes John White. And I'm sitting there going, no, no, no. I mean, we're all allowed to be our own people. <laughs> so that was like the start of putting the puzzle together. And so Victoria and I, we worked very well together. There was another woman, Chris Abood. She had a very similar story. Her brother was an attorney. So he knew how to document everything correct. So when I took Chris to the courthouse and showed her, you know, a pack of paper like this, she goes, Where'd you, how did you know to do this? I just assumed everybody knew about a courthouse and the register of actions and where there's a vault of documents and you go in and you can look at all the documents. She was mortified to see how organized her attorney brother was, who, by the way, stole the mother, took all the money. And Chris is still a fighter with our group because she's sick, sick what happened to her family. So that's the thing. We're, at the beginning, we were up against a lot of people that knew what was going on. Now we're the ones that know what's going on and we are not going to put, we're not putting up with it anymore. So we do a lot of rallies, you know, we go to a lot of committee meetings. We do a lot of posts on, on YouTube and videos like that. And I don't know, Cindy, what do you think our success rate has been lately? I mean, we're exposing it, which I know they're not happy about. And um, I don't know. I mean, I'm talk at least the attorney general's office is talking to us and you know, they ordered my mom's file and I'm hoping and, you know, that's all the hope I have is that they're going to do something when they see the crimes that were committed. My niece having a person with dementia create this revocation of my durable power of attorney and take my mom to the bank and try to access her account. She cashed my mom's social security check. She had my mom's address changed within three months of my mom being with her. My mom was hospitalized with sepsis and had lost 23 pounds. When I when she was safe in the hospital, I thought this is it. This they're going to return her now. When they see it, what bad shape she's in? No, no, they didn't. The judge let her go back with her, even though the hospital said not to that she should go to a rehab facility because she was that bad. She came, took her out of the hospital, and took her back home. Well, and Cindy, I want to read, this is what Judge, this is what Judge Freddie Burton, now she has Judge Freddie Burton out of Wayne County. This is what he said in a court record. And it says, as to the power of attorney that has been vested with Cynthia Misfud, Miss Sud, I'm going to suspend those powers at this time. I'm also going to revoke any power of attorney that has been secured by Rachel Greenshield since having moved into her home of Mrs. Greenshield. So this judge did absolutely no investigation because the next comp, the next paragraph is all about getting a conservatorship going so that they can get a hold of the money. And that's what they've done since 2021 to 2023. They've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of Betty Hayes' money. And unfortunately, 
because I didn't get a hold of Cindy early enough. Once you hire an attorney, you are in trouble. I mean, you're going to get nowhere. And so Cindy has spent quite a bit of money also with attorneys. They're doing a good job, but then when they find out they're, that they're in a scam, they run from us, you know, and, and they end up quitting or they'll refer you to somebody else. And then before you know it, you have to explain the story to somebody else again. And it's another five to $10,000 retainer fee. And or, or they're part of the scam right from the get go and just take your money and make you think they're going to do what you know you want them to do, but they don't. Right, right. That's what Michael Kane did. Michael Kane was hired by me because he was an accountant and an attorney. And he was supposed to get my my accounting right. You know, they wanted my accounting. They wanted all the receipts that I what it was spent to make the grand pad. You know, and they wanted all the receipts for the caregivers that I had used. Well, it took a long time to, you know, get all that together. And even once it was together, it had to be together to their liking. You know, it had to be on their court form. Well, I don't understand how these court forms work. I hired attorneys that were supposed to do it. Each time it was shot down. Finally, I hired the attorney that was supposed to know how to do it because he was an accountant and a probate attorney. What did he do? He just threw me under the bus. He, um, when I uh, sold my mom's house, I put the money from the sale into my mom's trust. And instead of him litigating that in court with the judge, he allowed the judge to order me to pay that money back to my mom's trust, saying there was no proof that I put it into her account. Even though I had the bank statement, the copy of the check, the deposit slip, I mean, what more proof would you need? The account went from 60000 to over 200000 Hello? <laughs> you know? They're just, it's just so corrupt. The it's fact so there wasn't any investigation about the PNC thing alone. Like, exactly. just like the, where it all started. The fact there wasn't any type of investigation into, yes. like, the start of that alone. And then well, they took act, all of these actions afterwards with starting off on a false premise and Tom, you and I have seen and talked about in plenty of our, our conversations in the past about how people can be led astray by being led down a false path, like given a false premise, like how are we given these BS news stories, like when passports just radically sh you know, show up uh, outside of exploding cars or, or down towers, that we're all meant to accept like these ridiculous stories and, and go on up along these false premises um, that it costs people years of their life and, and and that's so precious like when you talked to you know about jody when you talked about having to do time and be a felon like there are a lot of people that tom and i have talked to that have had that same type of experience it's right now they have to live with that mark <laughs> it, it was very shocking because i never and by the way just so you guys do know that at the time um, I was homeschooling my kids and I started teaching my kids in 2010 to 2014 government. And that's when I kind of got interested in government because I didn't listen to it when I was in high school myself. So here I am at this 50 year old, 55 year old mom homeschooling my teenage kids. And I made them go to the student statesman Institute. It was a week long class where they got to be the state rep and the senator. Well, guess who had more fun? Me, you know, because I was a chaperone. My kids, they, they hated, oh, Oh, my kids hated me for, for what I was doing, but because I was able to go ahead and um, become this 
um, educated citizen. Um, I realized what a bill was and I, I, I mean, I feel kind of foolish that I was kind of ignorant. So after my kids, you know, they ended up graduating and, you know, going off to college and stuff like that. I ended up becoming a Republican precinct delegate. I don't know if people know what that is. I didn't know what it was, but it's the lowest level of election that we are the grassroots. We are the people and everybody's neighborhood has so many precinct delegates. Well, once you become a precinct delegate, you get elected from within. So I was immediately elevated to the state level and only God could do that. Cause I'm like, okay, you guys, I don't even know what I'm doing. So, but, but I learned fast. I'm a quick learner. So once I got to be a state, um, state, uh, it was called a state committee woman. By the fourth year, they had me in the unity group because they could tell that I was a bit of a rebel because I'm like, oh, some of this stuff doesn't make sense. Why? I asked too many questions. So and this was about the time when my husband was having problems with, you know, his case. And, and I was, you know, this close to the attorney general, you know, I mean, I'm a Republican and we had a Republican attorney general and they're like, oh, just go ahead and file the complaint. So I did. Well, and then my husband went had a meeting with the Department of Justice and the FBI with another lady. It's now March. I'm thinking January to March, done. I'm still a committee woman. I'm still thinking, wow, that was easy. Oh my goodness. Little did I know that six months later, um, I would have been hit from behind by a, police, a sheriff, a court sheriff. Then they were trying to put me into a mental institution to, again, they, they had nothing on me. They wanted to ruin my credentials. They wanted to call me a crazy woman. And we sound crazy telling people what's happened to us. But now that people like Cindy and Ted and all these other people are coming, they're actually verifying um, that I'm not crazy. Because there for a while, I did believe we were crazy. And then um, the, the, the positive thing about, you know, I'm no longer part of the Republican Party now. I believe in the republic for which we stand. I think we have to protect our courts. I think these judges need to be under an equity court and not under their jurisdiction where they can just think that they can, you know, place an order on the record. Hey, I'm going to get Betty Hayes. Bam. And, you know, we're going to go after her money because that's exactly what's happening with Guardian Midlitem, Melinda Cameron, who was the eyes and ears of this court for this case and did nothing. She actually even went out to Jackson County and caused even more havoc in the court documents. They're not helping. They're harming and causing injury. Here's the problem. The judges are helping to protect themselves, judges and attorneys. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're familiar <clears throat> that uh, I'm an attorney whistleblower. Uh, in 2015, I filed a racketeering civil action proving that the <clears throat> Massachusetts probate and family court system, this guardianship racket, uh, exists and um, <clears throat> have been maliciously, viciously retaliated for it. So the system protects itself and they, so I can't even get one attorney to, 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 to help advocate for me. I mean, this is devastating. I mean, I'm still going through it. But I think that's what Cindy and I are doing as we're working together. Cause she just put in another brief and her brief is real simple. I don't want my mother in a guardianship. There's absolutely no reason for Betty Hayes to be in a guardianship. She's got four children. Three out of the four children have signed this. She wants to at least go into mediation to have like maybe a family conversation going. Because what I love about Cindy's story is she not only is for, you know, three good per good and bad. I'm going to say there's three good siblings and one bad sibling. Then there's all these grandchildren. And why is the one grandchild, Rachel, given so much favor. And um, 
That's what I want to know. And it, as soon as we can expose that, my husband, he, um, his case, because it's, I'm a nag and I was emailing and, 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 and I mean, Jeff, Jeff was constantly calling the attorney general, his brother, which would be, um, you know, Rachel's, you know, the Rachel, the bad one in our story, Jeff had five brothers. Um, I, I married number five, David's the oldest. David is now in court with the attorney general being accused of bad things because that's what he did. But what we're upset about is it wasn't just David. If his attorneys didn't help him, then we wouldn't have been this way. There should have been some sort of a family communication, not this court of drama where they get to lie about everything. And then, you know, our family, not only are we out our inheritance of over $2 million, but, you know, all of us have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now if anybody works with an attorney, I don't talk to them because I will not follow their rules. They're liars, they're cheaters. Um, you know, they've been a nightmare. They've caused this problem to families like Cindy and families like my husband. And this is not my family. We didn't, my, this is not my story. I'm an in-law that get, got hit up on this. And so we have quite a few families that wear the blue shirts. The in-laws are the sometimes the more mouthier ones because the one that the family members actually really tore up, it's their family member, their loved one. And so we, our group is continuing to expose it, like Cindy said, and Michigan, we're on fire. There's a big group of us that we are not going to go to sleep until this stuff gets exposed. And here's the thing. See, it's not just Michigan. Okay. This is, it doesn't matter what state it is. This is happening in every single state throughout this nation and actually worldwide right. actually right. australia <clears throat> excuse me new zealand i mean so and I, i'm so proud of you guys um and he, here's i think what has been hardest for me being in having been in massachusetts is that i've been alone doing this and um i think it makes a difference when you do have the people who can band together. We're trying, right, Cindy? Yes. <laughs> it's been a lot of a lot of pizza and a lot of getting together, a lot of briefs. And, um, you know, we hit up rallies. We go to commissioner's meetings. We go to council meetings. I mean, we're just trying to get our legislators, the ones that could stop it by putting a law on the books, that the judges have to follow the same the same rules and regulations realtors have to follow or doctors have to follow or clergy. But, have but to here's follow. the thing. It's not even necessary needing to create new laws. There are existing laws that need to be enforced. And right. if you can't even get existing laws to be enforced. Right. Exactly. <laughs> danger, right. danger. Will Robinson There's a problem. Right. 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 I, you know, you're spot on, Lisa. Like I said, we're a little bit newer and we don't have a law license. I call it a lie license because they have this liability. They have this ability to lie that causes us a whole lot of liability. And I don't like my, you know, we don't have a 401k anymore because we had to use it to get me out of jail and to help my husband. And now we don't even have an inheritance, which is the American values were to you know, be prosperous, give to your posterity. And they're really making a mockery of, of America. You know, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up though. Cause I think Tom, that's, that's where you and I come in because I think you and I have both seen that American system for what it is in a particular lens. And that's what led us to kind of like to, uh, being more open to anarchism as a solution. Well, that's, that's why they put Jody in, in jail. Um, people don't understand.
understand that three days in jail can ruin your life, mm -hmm. especially if you don't have a lot of money or stuff like that. You know, these I, I just want to say I'm super proud of you, ladies. You're going against everything that I'm against. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you ladies consider yourselves anarchist or anything, if you even know anything about anarchy, but you guys are doing anarchy right now. They and threw I'm us super proud system. of you. They threw us in it. We didn't want, we want the American way, but we have been open. Our eyes have been open to this anarchy, but when an officer can hit, oh, and by the way, I was on the ballot as a state rep and I had won my primary. And not only did they just hit a little old Christian woman that was married to Jeff for 30 years, they hit a woman that was on the ballot that was fighting against this elder abuse crap. And that's the part that I don't understand. And that's why I don't want to be a Republican anymore because my whole Republican party, no one came out to help me. I was like in shock that, so that's what I mean, this game between the politicians, we can see the Democrats and the, and the Republicans, they're all buddies. And they're just making it a mess. So I want no party system. I'm going to go power to the people. But I like order. I want a courtroom with court rules. But this is like their equity court, but it's supposed to be our equity court. And you nailed it when you brought up the voluntary exchange part of it. Like what the American ideal is or what America should be or if there should even be such a thing as a nation state or an America, I think is subjective. But what isn't is that that voluntary uh inclusion into the system that that, that you were select you were drawn into it right targeted, that targeted. you would never you you would have never agreed to these rules in the first place and, and in fact and like lisa said if we are even to agree to rules in a civil society and they are not abided by then what what real purpose I mean, did those rules serve other than to empower other people other it's two pure kangaroo court system. Yeah. I mean, I Nailed have audio, audio and transcripts to show the outlandish, I mean, sick, cruel, I mean, inhumane crimes being done. And here's the biggest obstacle, getting we the people to want to to care if it's not necessarily happening to them at this juncture people wait until it's too late when they're and, a victim uh, it's too late yep and they were targeted that's the thing uh, uh rachel she was a paralegal she worked at the wayne county probate court she knew exactly what to do and that was the disadvantage to the aunts and the uncles because they they did not know what was happening to them and so to see these evil learned professionals be able to get away with they hired tom langdon which we have him we have him we know he's dirty but for for just to reread the transcripts of cindy's i can catch it all but i write i write things and i put it out on facebook but that's the thing my audience is people that are either victims or people that want my help which i don't mind helping them but i'm not a lawyer and they want to you know, they, they want, they don't want me helping people, but I'm trying to figure out how I can help in, in, um, like Cindy, who is 
turned a 180 or 360, whatever, turned around. She's 100% on fire. She's fired all of her attorneys. She's going to these meetings. She's speaking out. She's speaking well. And, and that's what we need. We cannot give our voice away to someone else. We do not need an attorney to represent us. We actually need the attorneys, which in 1972, they were supposed to be there for the general public just to make sure that the courts go properly. And we have a law in the books for that. Like you said, Lisa, if, that the lawyers would actually be just helping us with civil um, situations. There'd be no reason for the amount of money that Cindy had to pay, what, six, seven attorneys we counted yesterday, Cindy? I don't you know. It's ungodly how much money she's paid out to these guys. And none of them have helped her. If anything, they've made it more complicated. And that's why I keep telling her also, forget the last two years, go right back to May. And that's the stuff we have to tell our attorney general, Scott Teeter, who's looking into this. And if he doesn't seem that it's a crime, what the granddaughter did to this family, then we have to fire, you know, we have to fire our attorney general and that and this elder abuse task force because we are allowed to have a standard, best practices, I call it. And going back to the um, uh, Jody being arrested, they, they, that's what they use. They use this fear. They put this fear into you because I was threatened right away. They were going to arrest me. They told me to bring my toothbrush. All my mom's hearings were on Zoom. And then all of a sudden we had to go into court because we were the worst family they ever saw. And we were being threatened with arrest. My brother was a Marine. He was in the National Guard. He was in the Navy. He has he works at uh, Chrysler. Um, I was married. I had a grandbaby. Um, my son's a police officer. And we're going in told to bring our toothbrush because we were fighting for what I signed up for in 2013 to be the durable power of attorney to protect my parents. That's what I was fighting for my parents. And this judge is telling me he's going to arrest me. And then in the court that day, there was a sheriff on me, a sheriff on my husband, and a sheriff on my uh, brother. My sister and my niece, nobody was on them. They were sitting there laughing with the guardian ad litem, the court-appointed attorney, their attorney, the guardian. They're laughing and talking really loud. We started talking because we were in a recess, and the sheriff came over and got in our face and told us, what about be quiet? Don't we understand? And then when my husband asked for my uh, attorney to object to something, the sheriff came over and threw my husband out. So there I sat by myself, threat of arrest, two weeks before Christmas, my daughter's pregnant crying, mom, please, you can't go to jail. I mean, it's absolutely absurd. And I had already met Jody, heard her horror story, how she was arrested. I was terrified. So you do whatever they tell you to do. And that's the day we dropped the guardianship application and they took over. Well, and another thing too, Cindy, that you guys had, because they had met me by this time, I immediately helped Randy with his, and when I say help, I'm his typist. They tell me the story, I, I type it. And then I word things a little bit better because I've done this for a while. And we had immediately asked it for an investigation on her file. And this, I, the thing went down in May and we met in October. So it had not been that long of a story. And this is the problem. How does the story get elevated to another two and a half years when, and it's none of it from the last two years is relevant, except there's money being made to Melinda Cameron, Terry Jordan, and Bruce Rice. 
these attorneys are making a bunch of money, let alone the other five to seven attorneys Cindy has paid. And the other two brothers, I love Daryl and Randy, they're not putting out any finances. Um, at one point, Randy did hire an investigative um, team that didn't work out. I don't really recommend that either because, you know, again, we need to get our policemen educated. Uh, this was another thing I was going to show you. This is called the incident, um, vulnerable adult incident report in 2019 after the listening tour and all of us complaining, this actual document actually came about and it's a beautiful document. And what I, my 2024 goal is, is if Cindy Hayes's mom would have had this thing filled out properly and sent to the proper authority, which would have been the elder abuse task force at the attorney general, she would never have had to hire an attorney because it would have been investigated as a crime. This is a crime what is happening. This isn't civil, this is criminal. So for some reason they wanna keep saying that family dysfunction is, is a civil situation. Families fight, we just got over with Thanksgiving. I don't know how many of you guys had some loud conversations, but families are allowed to fight. But when it, they're stealing or harming or injuring or lying or perjury, false pretenses, those are criminal crimes that need to be filled out with this vulnerable report. We need these policemen to be helping us. And we have to pray that 2024, we can come up with a different plan because I'm like Lisa, we're losing, you know, I mean, we need to help other people so that they're not found in the because situation. Because the police are actually helping to facilitate falsification of evidence for air quotes evidence. I mean, the actual fabrication that they help to target people. But Lisa, here's the thing, like Cynthia always says, my son's an officer. I met her son. Her son's not going to do this. And But this is the problem. If they get to um, get a paycheck to lie, then that's the problem. We have got to start in, in our area. We have a lot of people that do not like the dirty cops. So we're seeing a lot of change where the cops are being more fearful that they're going to probably try to do the right thing and that they can't have their little buddy club that they've had for the last couple of decades. And I've met, you know, her son's like 30, 33, something like that. He's a young kid. He grew up with morals and ethics. He just needs to get leadership in, as far as their chief of police, which is where this vulnerable adult is supposed to, this report's supposed to start with the chief of police and trickle down so that all the staff of the police are under different forms of leadership. And like I said, either we're gonna get this or I'm joining this group of anarchy people. <laughs> but in defense of the police too, a lot of them are not aware of this and they're following the chain of command on what they're told to do. Because his grandmother not become a victim. They're going because they're gonna get they're gonna suffer cruel retaliation absolutely that's the problem unless we can get it's not that there aren't good ones out there right because there are it's the fact that the head of the snake the fish you know it rots from the head down that's that's the problem yeah well our goal is to really um i westland's the 10th largest city here in michigan and um i just went to the council meeting and talked to the chief of police and he said, this is what I thought was very unique. 
oh, sure, I know about this. This came out a couple years ago. I'm like, yep, 2019. And he says, oh, we only every biannually have to go over elder abuse stuff. And I'm like, that's it? And they said, but the new the new recruits have to come in and take the class right away. But this 2024 is their biannual. So um, I've asked them if we could help because we want to bring our stories. We are We are real stories and we're not mad at the police well, we're mad, but you know, I mean, what can we do? It's already happened to us. We we are naming names though. I'm sorry, if you're Tom Frazier or Melinda Cameron or Judge O'Brien or Judge Freddie Burton, you guys are in these public court documents. So it's already a public record. So we're allowed to say the names because they're public record. So when we go to these events, we wanna get the, we call ourselves the VIPs, victims in probate. And we want to be able to tell everybody what happened and then let them see what the problem is. It is the lack of stewardship by our chief of police, our attorney general, our judges, and and our legislators. Even our legislators are like, they're not being overly um, forthright to getting the job done. We have a way to re, uh, remove judges out of our Michigan constitution. If we can get two thirds of the legislators to sign a document to, re, to get rid of a judge, they know I was a Republican candidate, knocked over, bullied by the probate court system, and they don't like me coming because they know I'm going to keep saying, hey, whatever happened to that resolution? We need you guys to do it. We can't do it. We're, we've elected you in the republic for which we stand. You guys are representing us. We're coming to you. Write the resolution. So Cindy and Lori and Julie and I, we all last month, the last two months, we've been going to the Judiciary Committee meeting. We're getting ourselves known. I think their ears are opened. Um, they're, they're more Democrats than they are Republicans. And I think that they're they're feeling the emotion of like your, your trailer was, the empty seats at a Thanksgiving dinner. Th these people are feeling our pain. So if we can get two thirds of 110 from the House reps and two thirds of the 38 senators and then we have to bring it to the governor. And because it's an ele election year, again, <laughs> you know, it's from 2018, now 2024, which is what we tried to do in 18. We're just, I'm asking the Lord for some favor. I want to be like Esther <laughs> saying, please give us some help so that we can go back and save our people, you know, and people meaning Michigan families that do fight and do have situations. But when you start talking about stuff we learned in second grade, lying, stealing, um, abusing. You don't do that stuff in Michigan when you're of a certain age, like let's say third grade and above. So I don't know, um, kind of scary what's going on in Michigan. Well, with that, uh, we should uh, get everyone's final takeaways for this conversation before we wrap up. I want to leave time for that. And I also want to leave time for everyone to just let everyone know where they could be contacted and everything. But um I mean, Tom, do you mind if we start with you? Just get your uh, final takeaways for this conversation and this episode, man. Yeah, I just want to give you ladies a warning. Um, I've been through the court systems, not in your type of situation, but um, just know that your politicians, your lawyers, and your judges are all going into a room and they're talking about how they're going to destroy your lives. So don't put too much trust into those people. Because uh, they're they're going to find a way to come after you, ladies. Because you're pissing them off. So good for you. I'm proud of you, ladies. Keep going, and I'll try to do as much as I can on my podcast to promote what you ladies are doing. Um, and thank you. And y'all can find me on on Twitter. It'll be in the show notes. 
So I'm going to try to, I I would like to keep in contact with these ladies a little bit more. That way I can push some of their stuff because they're going to need this help. They're doing the right thing. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. And uh, Cynthia, what what do you want people's final takeaways from this convo today to be? I love what Lisa says is um, light is the only disinfectant. And that's why, I mean, I say that all the time now since she, I started watching her say it. And I, I just love that because they keep this whole horror stories of probate court and guardianship abuse hidden. You know, you know, you're threatened. Don't talk about it. Don't, don't tell anybody. If you talk about it, we're going to arrest you. You know, they came after us that if we put anything on Facebook, we were going to get arrested. And well, then we, you know, we have a, a first amendment right to free speech and I'm not saying anything that's untrue. So if I'm saying something untrue, come after me. But when I'm speaking the truth, you have no right to come after me. Why is this hidden? Wayne County probate court is still closed. They closed it for the pandemic. This is 2023 and it's still closed. We can't go down there. I can't go there and physically get my mom's file. I can only get stuff online. And they magically, all the files disappear all the time. Things disappear. They uh, wash things so that you don't see it anymore. Files are gone. They have it all covered. Their bases are covered to keep things in the dark. Light is the only disinfectant. Thank you, Lisa. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. And I recommend everybody else do it. Stop hiding it. And Cynthia, I'm going to include in this week's source list a little video uh, from you at a recent rally. Uh, that was on Twitter, if you don't mind, because I, I spotted that. And I got to give you props because uh, public speaking is feared more than death. <laughs> and that's so, how I felt about it. But now I'm so angry that, yeah. ask, ask Jody. I used to just cry when she'd say, can you talk? I'd say, no, I can't. And I'd cry. And now I'm like, grab that microphone and I just tell them like it is. It's just, I'm so angry. That's beautiful to hear though and in a way because where tom and i come from from like heavy music hardcore punk and that that ideal that anger is a gift yeah. that that trauma that that experience becomes a gift yes because you can create something with it right so jody now you've you've created organizations you've you're creating content you're putting stuff out on youtube um if you guys aren't on rumble i might be able to help you out uh, get at me there. I, I just sent you an email, I think. Uh, although technical gremlins today, who the heck knows? Uh, that may have hit a pigeon midair a la duck hunt or something like that with the setup that we got going on today. Crazy stuff has happened on the technical end, folks. But uh, Jody, do you want to give everyone your final takeaways and maybe well, where they can follow um, some of your work? I, I think that my biggest gift um, was being ignorant. And so my newest is knowledge is power. And I was never afraid to ask, never afraid to be bold. Um, of course, my boldness did get me um, in jail for 33 days and a new a new adjective in front of my name. But um, I, I believe that my videos that I've been making is what they're annoyed by. And I can't help it. It's just, I go to almost every event that I can go to. I do not work. I, I am a real estate agent broker by nature. And, um, I don't want to open up a company. Everyone's like, what's your organizations? I'm like, it's just called VIPs. We're victims in probate. And I've met, um, you know, multiple families, um, in Michigan. I'm trying to stay in Michigan because we do get a lot of phone calls. Um, I got a phone call from a lady in Florida and I sent her to a person in Florida 
because we're we are getting head people in each state to just help when the phone calls come in um i don't know if you've heard of sear it's uh rick black he gets a bunch of phone calls and i've gotten a few people through his organization because he's a national company and at this point don't be afraid to be bold get the knowledge hook up with us you know we don't charge no nobody i know charges everybody's doing this for free because we want our country back we want morals and ethics and integrity to come back and these people that are professionals that are in our um state laws to help the general public should be helping the general public not stealing from us and um harming us and causing injury so i think we are a lot better um, I, I, I try not to be fearful because, um, Tom, like you had said, to be careful. I, we walk with the Lord. You know, if, if he doesn't want me doing this, I will quit tomorrow. But for some reason, every day I get out of bed, I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And if I do not get an email or a text from somebody that's needing help, and then he gives me like what to do, and I get my little fingers going, and I send stuff out. So between editing and um, reading other people's briefs and court watching and going onto the register of actions and learning more, that's what I do for a living now. And I, it's an unpaid position. And we're just asking that um, if the attorney general is listening to this um, podcast, um, thank you for what you're doing for us. Um, but you're not moving quick enough. And whatever you can do to um, stop the nonsense, we would appreciate it. So, and again, thank you both for um, putting us and Lisa for allowing us to come on this show today. You got it, Jody. And Lisa, what would you like people's final takeaways to be from this episode? Uh so near and dear to me and uh, strikes a chord. So I'm going to keep it short and hashtag synergy. Thank you, Lisa. I mean, I, I know that this, um, this, this has a close, and, and if that's an understatement, um, connection to your entire story, that everything that led us to start doing podcasts together, like you appearing on Don Jeffrey's show, which Jody, I believe you've been on, that, that show before shout out to Don. He was on with us on Wednesday to talk about the 60th anniversary of the JFK assassination. If you folks haven't checked out uh, that special, please go check that out. Uh, Don just giving him a platform to go off about the JFK stuff is great. Uh, <laughs> you know, get, getting into one or two questions here and there just to see if I can uh, verify some things for just my own little uh, knowledge and things like that itself w was well worth it but we had an amazing time um i finally got to talk to t snyder shout out to t that we're gonna have to do that again sometime too and then we got to hear from our good friend billy ray valentine who's uh doing freeworld.fm which you can find uh chris from Rancast on every sunday um seven eight central so uh as he says it um and then also you could probably look out for steve at some point on freeworld.fm from about 1 p.m. Eastern time to 4 p.m. Eastern time um, every Friday. But I don't know if that's happening today because the technical gremlins have taken Steve's power from him yet again. Uh, so that's twice this week. Crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we do what we can to keep the show running. <laughs> uh, we finally got onto Rockfin at some point during the broadcast. I don't know when. Uh, but thank you for everybody uh, being over in that chat. We got lots of love uh, for everybody uh, over in that chat. And you know what? The one thing that I found that most encouraging about the conversation there, uh, ladies, because as as you were, 
you know, speaking to us and the audience about your story and everything. I'm also glancing over and I'm seeing people sort of excited that ladies like yourselves are awakening to sort of the, the imbalances, the frailty in our institutions. And, and by engaging in them the way that you did, uh, I know a lot of people uh, you know, that, have, that have ran for office. I've talked to people that have tried to engage in the system that way. I've listened to people like David Knight and others uh, that have ran for office in the past. Uh, our friend Vince Agnoli, Lisa, you know, people of that nature that have that organizational, that, that ability uh, to bring such order to things. But what I'll say and what I want people's final takeaway for this to be, and it's something that my friend Tom touched upon. Thank you for being here, Tom, man. It was awesome having you on TMP Live finally. But um, I'll say this, that there can be order that comes out of the chaos taking ourselves out of this stupid system. If it was meant to always sort of fall into the lap of the entitled and the empowered in this world, if it was never, if that power was never meant for us, the people from the start even, then perhaps starting something new and voluntary, starting out from the individual rights, look into something if you haven't, folks, something from uh, a man named Isaiah Berlin, he talks about things called positive and negative rights. If we go by the individual, that life, everything, stems from the individual cell, that's where it should start. You're getting it wrong if you're doing it another way. That system is never meant to succeed then. If you start a building plan, if you start a construction site, Tom, with the wrong plumbing schematic, <laughs> okay, you're going to run into one hell of a problem eventually. So sometimes you do need to tear it down to rebuild it. And if you rebuild it voluntarily, you can have order if you want it, just as long as we were all asked to be orderly. So, so thank you ladies for being here. Thank you, Lisa, just for being the awesome friend that you are. I'm glad that we could do this for you today, if anyone. And uh, Tom, love you, brother. Thank you for being a part of this broadcast, man. This is great. No, this was awesome. Thank you for for having me on. I'm I'm glad I I got to make it. Hey, we all got something to be thankful for still. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, that is it, folks. We're gonna head out of here until we meet again, and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. <laughs>